How much time do we have left? Not much. Uh-oh, the audience is already seated. Celebrate again all the wonder and joy, the laughter and delight that is so much a part of our tradition here in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. Come with us. When you wish upon a star. W Everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 123 for the week of June 14th, 2009. Thank you for tuning in once again. We're going to start off this week's show with a trip to the Walt Disney World rumor mill, as I'll touch on a few interesting rumors about what may be coming and what may be going to and from the parks as well as some news from Walt Disney World about a new service, Passholder Preview, and a special offer. It's time to answer your listener emails again this week, as the inbox is getting full. Becky Mankin joins me to tackle questions about everything from our recommended moderate resorts to things to do at night, character connections at the parks and resorts, and of course, dining. I always try and stress and show you that everything you see and experience in Walt Disney World is about story. And that holds true for one of the most unique restaurants on property. Today, she is known as Fulton's Crab House, but Jim Corcus is going to join me again this week on a DSI Disney scene investigation as we take a very detailed look, not at her menu, but the history and the story behind what she'll always be fondly known as for many, the Empress Lily. I'll announce the winner of last week's Walt Disney World Audio Trivia Contest before playing some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. We'll start off this week's news with some information about a new service available to guests who are staying on Walt Disney World property. Disney announced the new Mobile Room Ready Notification Service for guests staying at Disney Resorts, which is now available and allows guests who arrive prior to their check-in time at Disney-owned and operated hotels to receive either a text message or automated voice message when the room is ready. So now, during the check-in process at your Disney Resort, You can provide a cell phone or mobile phone number and request a return notification preference. So now when your room is ready, you'll get either a text message or an automated call sent directly to your cell phone with the room number and letting you know that the room is ready for you to go in. Guests may, of course, choose not to participate in this service and still be able to call the resort's room availability telephone number provided to them at check-in. The service is available to any guest staying at a Disney-operated resort hotel 
at Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and of course, Disney Vacation Club properties. Now, now if you choose to use this service, normal text messaging notification rates are going to apply. The Walt Disney World Passholder website just announced Passholder previews for the Hall of Presidents attraction before the official opening on July 4th weekend. The Passholder previews are going to be Sunday, June 28th, 2009, from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., although it may close intermittently during that time. You don't need to sign up in order to attend the preview, but you will need to bring your valid annual pass and photo ID to the Hall of Presidents attraction entrance. The Eat to the Beat 2009 concert lineup has been announced as Disney has released the dates and performers for this year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, which takes place from September 25th through November 8th. The Eat to the Beat concert series brings 17 acts showcasing everything from rock to jazz to funk to pop to the America Gardens Theater stage during the 45-day festival. The lineup also includes five performers playing for the festival for the first time, including Richard Marks, Better Than Ezra, Vanessa Carlton, John Waite, and Billy Ocean. The concerts, which are included with your Epcot admission, begin at 5.15, 6.30, and 7.45 daily. The lineup, which is subject to change and one that I'll post on the site at wdwradio.com, includes September 25th through the 27th, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, September 28th and 29th, Richard Marks, September 30th through October 3rd is Starship, starring Mickey Thomas. October 4th through the 6th, 80s fans and Vogue is going to be there. October 7th and 8th, Better Than Ezra. The 9th through the 11th is Sister Hazel. October 12th through the 13th, Celebrate Good Times Come On with Cool and the Gang. From the 14th through the 16th of October is Spyro Gyra. The 17th and 18th features John Cicada. The 19th and 20th follow up with Sister Sledge. On the 21st and 22nd is Vanessa Carlton. On the 23rd through the 25th is Taylor Dane. Boys to Men joins the stage October 26th through the 28th. John Waite from October 29th through the 31st. And the final three performers in November are Night Ranger from November 1st through the 2nd. Billy Ocean, the 3rd, 4th, and the 5th. And Los Lobos closes everything out on November 6th through the 8th. There's currently a special promotion going on in downtown Disney because according to a sign outside the store, for a limited time, guests who spend $200 or more at the World of Disney store in downtown Disney Marketplace at Walt Disney World will receive a complimentary Disney gift card in the amount of $40. That's as much as 20% back. Uh, for more information, you can visit the store or follow Disney Gift Card over on Twitter. Heading over to the Walt Disney World rumor mill, it's going to be a long summer for those that enjoy and miss Space Mountain as it's closed for refurbishment into the fall, but rumors of what may be coming may make it just worth the wait. Rumors have circulated for some time, even before the attraction went down, that ranged from removing the top of the mountain to replace the entire track system, to upgrading the cars and soundtrack, to becoming more like Disneyland's Space Mountain, to changes to the load area, and basically everything in between. Well, it now seems that there's more credibility coming to one of the rumors and that's about the queue, because it seems that construction permits filed by Disney indicate that there will be an installation of a, quote, interactive queue and audiovisual upgrades. This is fueling the rumors that the Space Mountain queue may get enhancement and games much like that of Soren in Epcot. Now, rumors that the attraction and load area 
are going to be darkened and that there may be enhancements coming to the unload area and speed ramp seem likely as well. In fact, the D23 website states that a new track, new ceiling, and audio-visual upgrades will be in store when Space Mountain reopens on November 21st after the planned refurbishment. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Sounds Dangerous has been closed during Star Wars weekends, but many of us noticed during that time that the giant Drew Carey sign and, Star and Sounds Dangerous name have been removed from the marquee of the building. Is it just for Star Wars weekends to keep the theme consistent near Echo Lake? Or is this a sign of something more? We'll have to wait and see what happens after Star Wars weekends concludes. Speaking of closures, we all know about the closing of Pleasure Island's clubs and shops, but a very small, very quiet bunch of rumors are beginning to swirl that there may be plans, and possibly big plans, for Pleasure Island, and that we may be getting an announcement in the next couple of months from Disney. Now, of course, we will be paying very close attention to this, but here's a question for you. What would you do with Pleasure Island? If you were given control and a budget, what would you transform the now-closed clubs and venues and restaurants into? I'm going to post that on Twitter and on the WDW Radio Facebook fan page as well as the forums, but I'd love to hear your ideas as to what you want or what you think may be coming to Pleasure Island. Two things that seem very certain that are coming is a new Snow White meet-and-greet area next to the former temporary location next to the Germany Pavilion in Epcot. That is set to open at the end of this month. Also, it seems that the rumored tequila bar is finally under construction in the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot, as the former jewelry shop is now closed and walled off for the tequila bar construction. The jewelry shop is now in the home of the former Casa Mexicana area, and the Kidcot Fun Stop is still there, but it's now found in the pavilion's lobby right by the Oaxacan wood carvings. Finally, what's old is new again, as the Little Mermaid attraction coming to Fantasyland rumor is back once again, as some of the buzz is that while it's being developed for Disney's California Adventure, Imagineering may be building a duplicate for use in the Magic Kingdom. Now, I'm not really sure about this one. Very, very speculative. And of course, there are some potential timeline issues as, as well that I'd question. But again, as with all these rumors, it's fun to imagine and of course discuss. And I'm going to ask you to come and do just that over in the forums, via email, on the Facebook fan page, or leave your thoughts on the voicemail. Again, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com, and the voicemail is 888-703-2171, and there's links to the Facebook fan page and the forums right on the homepage of wdwradio.com. So I want to thank you all for your comments and your feedback and, of course, your questions. So it's time once again to open up the inbox and then, of course, shudder in fear and guilt to see how full it is. And, and for that, I once again apologize. But uh, rather than deal with my guilt on the air and bring up bad childhood memories, I'll instead invite back 
Miss Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, fresh off her Adventures by Disney trip. And, and, I'm sure, weeks of working on her goodbye tag, back to the show and to the inbox. So, Becky, welcome. I am so in trouble, aren't I? I'll work on that part. Hi, Lou, it's great to be back. Yeah, well, you've got about, you know, 75 minutes worth of emails to think about it. So, but I... Real quick, you just came off Adventures by Disney. You yes. you went to England and Ireland. Yes, we did the Ireland adventure, which is uh, the Emerald Isle is what they call it. It's seven nights and eight days going from Dublin to Shannon, and it was incredible. So maybe for my tag, I might have to use, I don't know, some Irish phrase. How yeah, about that? I have a feeling I know what's, com- <laughs> what's coming. Around. But okay, quick question. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a curveball right off the bat. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. So you just came back from Ireland. I'm going to tie it into to Walt Disney World, even though it was, okay. was Adventures by Disney. Ireland's famous for being green and potatoes and the pubs. So tell me, how accurate of a pub is Raglan Road in downtown Disney compared to what you saw in Ireland? Oh my gosh, what a great question. It is very comparable, as, as a matter of fact. Um, it, it's actually a little bit more updated. Raglan Road, of course, is probably a, a little bit more um, uh, modern, I would say, in its design. But in comparison to a lot of the pubs that we saw along the way, it is, it's a wonderful example of the types of pubs that you find in Ireland, especially in Dublin. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the, the pubs that we were at in the area, the, the Temple Bar, um, reminded me a lot with the, the festive uh, uh, singing and the um, entertainment that was going on. Just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, and just, I was only kidding. I, Ireland, I'm sure, is famous for much more than, than pubs and potatoes and, and <laughs> Guinness. Green, 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 Guinness <laughs> Guinness, lots of sheep, and and by the way, um, lazy cows. As opposed to those really active cows that we have here in America? (laughs) You know what? The funny funny thing is, and I'll I'll just take a minute to explain it to you. I didn't really realize it until they pointed it out. In America, when you drive around, you see cows are usually up and grazing and walking around. In Ireland, they are just sitting down and enjoying the sunshine when it's out, and they're lazy cows. (laughs) You can direct all those emails directly to <laughs> Becky. It's mousefantravel.com. That, that's where. But uh, let's move from Ireland. Let's move a little bit away from Ireland. We're going to move to our first question, which is probably as far from Ireland themed as possible. Uh, it comes from WDW Donna, who, uh, who first tells us a little bit about some character experiences that she has and that her new favorite character breakfast is Ohana. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice. Her kids love Lilo and Stitch. That's the, where they saw Lilo. We'll, we'll have to talk about character breakfast one of these. And, and all right, real quick, yeah. favorite character breakfast, go. Chef Mickey's. I, I knew it. I knew you were going to go it for the easy one. It still is. Well, it's not that it's the easy one. It's it's the, the characters. It's the draw of the classics. And I, I have a, a, a connection and a tie to it because that was the first character breakfast I ever did. So it, it just takes me back to that, you know, little bit of, of my youth and, and seeing those characters that are the classic characters. And you know what people are saying, right? right. Uh, 30 seconds in, it, it's already talking about food and drink. So <sighs> not my Dang. fault. Not my <laughs> fault. Anyway, Donna does have a question. And she says that they are interested in Coronado Springs. Again, probably as far from Ireland as you can get. Is it, She said it looks so pretty, but I can't seem to find many reviews about it from guests. Have you been there? We've stayed at all the Valley Resorts except for Pop. Then you haven't stayed. That's the best one. And want to try a moderate next time. 
So it's a toss-up between Coronado Springs and Port Orleans or Dixie Landings. She says, I know it's Riverside, but I like Dixie Landings better. Again, <laughs> that's from WDW Donna. All right, real quick, before we get into Coronado Springs, between Coronado, Port Orleans, or Dixie Landings, better known to you and me as French Quarter and Riverside, which of the three, if you had a choice, do you prefer? For me, personally, it's without question Riverside. Okay. I'm going to tell you that I'm also with you. It's also one of the Port Orleans resorts. Why do you choose Riverside over French Quarter? I like the Riverside. I I think I just like the the theming and the environment over there a little bit better than I do at French Quarter. Um, While I do enjoy French Quarter, I just there's something about the the atmosphere of the Riverside that I I just really enjoy. Plus, I like having uh, boat rights right there as well. but at nighttime especially, it's just a really nice atmosphere. Right. I agree with you. I agree. And I do love French Quarter, and I've said that for a long time. I, I really, really like French Quarter, um, particularly because it's smaller and it's much more quaint, uh, a little more of a fun theme to it, especially for kids. It's got a great pool over there. But I, I, I love, love Riverside. And the, other th- and the reason why I like it too, I, I'm saying this half-jokingly, is because they do have sit-down restaurants um, as right. opposed to... <laughs> French Quarter, which just has um, the quick service meals over there. Riverside at night. You, I just saw Yeehaw Bob there this past weekend at the River Roost Lounge. Absolutely love it. But you know what? That's not what her question's about at all. It's, she's asking about <laughs> Coronado Springs. And I will tell right, you, but I, I have I, stayed there. And I stayed there two, three trips ago just for you, Donna. I stayed there just so I could answer this question. Um, and I do like it. And, and I like the resort. And it's, it sort of gets, I think, some of a bad rap as being the convention resort because it is very much a convention hotel. Um, it's a little bit more spread out. It's very, very big. It's huge. Um, but I but I like it for a lot of reasons. And, and go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I, I was going to say with, with Coronado Springs, like you said, it, it is a convention hotel. It's a convention resort. You do have a lot of people that are running around with their little convention badges on, and it, it does have more of a, a standard convention hotel feel for me. Um, I do like the atmosphere. I like the theming of Coronado Springs, but there's something that kind of takes you out of that vacation mode for me when I'm there and there's conventions going on and there's people in their, in their suits running around. Um, the, the the food options at Coronado Springs are great. I do like them. I like the fact that over at Coronado Springs, they also have refurbed and they've all the rooms now have two queen beds, which is nice. Wasn't the, the case before. Um, however, the food co- court's a little bit smaller over there. And because it's a convention hotel, the meal times can sometimes get quite crowded, especially during lunch. So there's more business services if that's needed for those. But again, I just... I don't have as much of that carefree, magical vacation feeling at Coronado Springs than I do over at either of the, the Port Orleans resorts. Now, when I, when I stayed there last summer, I wanted to take particular attention to the regular guest experience versus how intrusive I felt the conventions might be. And, and, and it was a, a very kind of slow time. There wasn't a huge convention going on. Or if there was, I didn't see it, which may be somewhat of a testament to it. But mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily feel that it intruded, other than looking down past the pepper market at the hallway towards the convention center. I didn't really see it a lot, and I spent a lot of time there at night. Um, I ate there. I ate at the pepper market. Um, there's also the Maya Grill, Maya Grill, which is mm-hmm. not really a grill. It's, it's a little bit more of an upscale um, restaurant. Very kind of different um, menu there. Big wine menu, huge wine menu too at mm-hmm. uh, at the grill, and there's also 
It's my secret new spot. Rick's. Rick's Lounge. Um, and there's Ooh. a cafe that... Shh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. They also serve snacks there. There's the, the bar outside. It's very well-themed. I think the pool is well-themed. And the farther you sort of distance yourself from that main building, um, I think that, you feel I, it even more I, so. I think that that's the key because when I stayed there, I was in that main building that was right attached to the main building. So it's the one that's right off if you're looking um, from the the Aztec, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from the Aztec pyramids right to the right. So I was pretty much right in the middle of the convention. So maybe if you do want to go there, ask to be a little bit further away from the main building. That might actually make a difference. Right. I actually stayed. Um, I stayed in the casitas, which was were the buildings that are connected to the main building, El Centro, and right by the convention center because I I needed the convenience. I needed to be near the business Mm -hmm. center. But if you do go to the ranchos, which are directly across Lago Dorado, or the cabanas, uh, you do kind of feel somewhat distant. You're also closer to the pool. Um, But again, it it could be, especially if you're far away in the ranchos, uh, it's kind of a hike for a walk, Mm -hmm. at least to get back to El Centro and the restaurants. But uh, they also, they have... um, don't they have full sort of, sort of um, in-room dining as well? They have a pretty big in-room dining menu as well, I think, too. Yeah, in comparison to um, to Riverside, I think you're right. Right, and it's not just like pizza that you get in some of the hotels. I mean, there's actually a lot to, that you can order there. So, Donna, we just gave you a really long answer to probably a very simple <laughs> question as to whether or not we like it or not. Um, I would definitely, I, I would not be disappointed staying there. Um, I, again, as far as the moderates go, it's not my first choice, but I did really enjoy it. And again, I did not feel as though I was in like a non-themed, you know, a Marriott or, or you know, insert convention hotel name here. So um, I, I think you'll still enjoy it if you, if you stay there. And I have to say that one word for French Quarter, beignet. <laughs> Sing it, sister. <laughs> if I could have those delivered over to the Riverside, I think I'd probably live there. We could make that happen. We could okay. probably make that happen. All right, let's move on. Becca, we got a lot. We got a lot to get to. We just spent like 17 minutes on the first question. All right. Next one says, hey, Lou, absolutely love this show. Look forward to it every week. I remember a few times you mentioning replicas of buildings around Disney World that people can purchase and collect. Can you tell me who makes these and if there is somewhere on the web where I can see them and learn more about them? Thanks so much. And that comes from Erica. Erica, I think what you're referring to was when I was discussing the Robert Olszewski miniatures, and they are available in all of the Art of Disney stores on property. They're also available from his website. I'll put that link in the show notes. I actually had a chance to interview Robert when he was down in Walt Disney World a few weeks ago. I'm going to air that interview uh, as soon as possible on the show. I also have a video that I took with him as we sort of uh, talked a little bit and toured around the Art of Disney store as he pointed out some of his uh, favorite pieces and some of the pieces that are he just released some of his favorite pieces from his collection and he does he makes these incredible little miniatures I don't know if you ever saw him Becky of Main Street uh-huh. he's done them for Disneyland he's doing it now for Disney World they are incredibly accurate the Cinderella Castle alone is beautiful they light up some of them you can actually take the roofs off and look inside some of the different buildings wow. so you can look like inside the cinema um, he also does the little shadow boxes with different scenes from attractions and films, whatnot. I mean, the guy is, is a, a truly master of his craft. Trying to just describe it in audio does not do it justice. So I will link over to his website. And again, if you head on over to Art of Disney, you can see a lot of pieces that he has uh, out there. And uh, I have five or six or however many words for you. Main Street Electrical Parade Miniature. 
Wow. Lights up, right. Elliot the dry it. Yeah, so. So now I'm going to have to figure out a new place for a new collection in my house, right? There's, there's <laughs> one problem. There's one small problem with the Olszewski miniatures, and here it is. Chances are none of us have that extra room in our house that we'll need to collect <laughs> all of Main Street because individually they're not that big, but once you get one, you're going to want them all, and you got to find a place to put them. Um, and I've seen pictures of people who have collected the entire Disneyland collection, and it, it's, it's spectacular Incredible. to see. I mean, it's kind of like on a you know a big table, like a train set layout, um, and it's beautiful when it's lit up. But um, a nice a nice little collectible to start for for yourself or for somebody. So um, definitely go check them out over at the Art of Disney. Wow. All right. Next question says, "Hey Lou, just had a few questions I wanted to ask, and hopefully get answered before my wife and I take our next trip to the world for our anniversary." Congratulations. Make sure you get your buttons. All right. First question. We are taking the Keys to the Kingdom tour at the Magic Kingdom. Awesome. They told me on the phone that we could not take a camera. We've been to the Kingdom at 8.15 in the morning before the parks open. Will they let me take some pictures down Main Street and towards the castle? Because it would be really great to have some shots without thousands of people in the picture and then rent a locker for our cameras and bags. Second question. I have ADRs for California Grill during Wishes. You Yum. are the lucky, lucky wife. Um, <laughs> what do you recommend on the menu other than sushi? Oh, we figured wow. you'd know the most about what is good. I don't know why I get that reputation. Thanks for all you do. See ya. Corey Tucker from <laughs> Dothan, Alabama. All right. First yes. questions first. Keys Easy. to the Kingdom tour. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome tour. Highly, highly recommend it in the Magic Kingdom. You cannot take your camera on the tour, or you probably can. They probably don't want you taking it out, so if it's in a backpack, that's fine. Um, but you should be able to take pictures down Main Street first thing in the morning. Yes. As a matter of fact, you can take your camera with you. You just have to have it put away, and same with cell phones, as a matter of fact. And But that rule is for any time you go backstage or off stage or back in the cast areas. When you are actually on stage and in public areas, you can use your camera there. So what they were telling me when I'd asked this question before is that when you first arrive, the streets are going to be that wonderful clear of, of any humanity. Feel free to snap away, but then as the tour starts, they're going to ask you to put your cameras and your cell phones away. If you don't have a bag, you might want to put in the locker before you go to meet the tour so you can take your pictures and, and go put them in the locker. But other than that, you're just not going to be able to have it out and hanging around your neck or in your hand when you go into the backstage areas. Right. And another good suggestion, and this is something that I've told people in the past, is I love those shots as well. And I have a picture of my family walking down towards the castle with literally not another soul in sight. There's a much easier way to try and get that picture, and that is to get the first ADR in the morning as possible at uh, Crystal Palace because right. they will let you in before the park opens and oftentimes there will be nobody not a single solitary soul on Main Street except maybe that one cast member at the end who's saying okay come on move it along come on come on down this is where you want to come and eat but uh, yeah with the uh, you know a little bit of, of water on the ground and the castle in the distance and the sun just coming up it, it really it's a spectacular picture and you don't need to take keys to the kingdom tour to do it but uh, right. let's move on to the important part of our question shall we Dude. Sorry. <laughs> I'm down over there. <laughs> well, California Grill California. is quickly becoming one of my very favorites. Um, first piece of advice, of course, is make sure you have a hearty appetite before you go because lots of great things on the menu besides sushi. Um, I don't know about you, but I love the flatbreads for the appetizer. Mm -hmm. the, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. Those, the three cheese is my favorite. Yum. Be a little this, different. Be a little different. Fig and serrano ham. 
Ooh. Got this red onion marmalade and cheese. Oh my god. You can make you can make a meal literally out of the flatbreads and the appetizers. Yeah, um, yeah, you could. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing I love on the menu, the risotto. They actually have a um, a goat cheese risotto, but I'm actually not a huge fan of goat cheese. But the chef actually was kind enough to whip up a Parmesan version of the risotto that I was just ah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, food. Um, pork tenderloin. They have a wonderful filet that I, I really enjoy. And then um, I, I have some friends who can't say enough about the scallops as well. So those are all great choices. I'm actually going to go with things that, are, that you did not, although you mentioned almost everything on the menu, the pan-roasted <laughs> grouper is a great, light, very, very fresh piece of fish. All the food here is very, very fresh. I mean, that's why the menu changes so very often. You might go one month, see certain things on the menu, go a month later, and there'll be very different items on there because everything right. is fresh. But they also make a handmade Japanese pumpkin ravioli with wild mushrooms yes. is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Almost as phenomenal as the desserts. <laughs> so, <laughs> and oh, oh, that's oh, that's such a great place to go. But, all right, I will say that I do enjoy their cheese board and their wine pairings as well. So, for those who aren't really into sweets, that's a nice way to to cap off the the end of your meal. But yeah, desserts, the creme brulee. Yeah, the afford yourself sauce. enough of an appetite when you go there, and afford yourself enough time to really yeah. you can make this. A dining experience, again, if you time it right and you're going during wishes, all the better. Um, but it, it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal restaurant. The food is excellent. The service is outstanding. Uh, mm-hmm. And service has always been exceptional there. Um, and again, the wine pairings and things like that as well. Dessert, appetizers. Um, you know what I think, Becky? Since I didn't... And, and by the way, thanks for letting everybody know that I made good on my taking you to the waves. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, thank you very, very much, by the way. Now maybe you can take me to California Grill. I'll tell you what, I I will, I will live, allow you a live <laughs> review of California Grill for the show. You got it, you got it on video maybe. So dress oh. nice and wear a bib. So <laughs> <laughs> a bib is that for all the chocolate sauces? It's going to be like <laughs> being thrown around from the. All right, the other dessert I have to just throw out there: the chocolate cake, the the lava chocolate, dark, yummy, warm filling stuff. They have it with a raspberry, but you can actually ask them to sub in car- caramel as well. Yum. Just so you know. Oh, I'm, just I, just on that alone. All right, we're going to the California Grill. All right, because okay. I'm going to get the Remy Martin Louis the Thirteenth cognac as well. That's, is that cool? Um, that will be your. 20. It's only a buck. I was just saying. <laughs> just say, that'll that'll be on your credit card, Lou. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're doing it all in the name of research. We're doing it for the listeners, really, because Excellent. there might be that guy out there that wants to have you know a hundred twenty-five dollar an ounce cognac. So right. <laughs> let's move right. along. Let's Come move on, along. Yeah. We have way, way too much to go. Anyway, Lou, I'm going to Walt Disney World in 21 days. It's going to be my first trip in five years and my boyfriend's first trip ever. Since I've booked the trip, I started to look for information online and came across your podcast, and I think it's great. Well, that's why I'm reading this on the air. Uh, we're only going to be in the parks for two days. Oh, tough. Tough for the first time, only two days. Specifically, the Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Unfortunately, no Fantasmic that night. I know. Big, big sad about that. Big sad. Um, we are celebrating his college graduation, and I am paying for the entire thing. You, but boyfriend, Elise's boyfriend, used to, sir, are a lucky man. So, <laughs> her question is this. How can we get the most out of our trip 
without trying to stretch ourselves out too much. That's tough. But they have a reservation at Cinderella's Royal Table. I've read mixed reviews. Again, she says, you seem to know a lot about food at Disney. I will (laughs) trust your opinion. It's your fault. I would also like to check out Downtown Disney and the Boardwalk since I've never been to either. We're staying at an all-star resort, so what would be the best way to get back and forth from the Boardwalk since there is no direct bus route, especially after the parks close? Thanks for your help, Elise. All right, Elise, let's... um, I guess we'll have to start off with Cinderella's Royal Table. Um, Now, you didn't say if you're going for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and, and that might actually change my opinion a little bit, but what I will say is... I think for the most part, um, I really like Cinderella's Royal Table, but remember, you're really going for the atmosphere and the experience probably more so than you're going for the food, especially for something like breakfast, which is traditional breakfast of, you know, eggs, bacon, sausage, etc. Um, even more so for lunch, too. Dinner, there are some things on the menu that I do like. Um, the prime rib is actually was surprisingly very, very good. I really enjoyed it. But they also have things like pork and lamb and salmon, and they also have um, usually a pasta dish, I think, as well. Um, it's about, I think it's, Beck, correct me if I'm wrong, around $40, $42 per person for adults for dinner, and I think you're down to about 30 or $32 for adults for breakfast. Yeah, and, and that includes, for the dinner, it includes that photo package as well. Now, when is it, have you ever eaten there, or are you taking it's, me there as well? I, <laughs> I have to say, it's been a while. Um, it's probably been about three years since I've actually had a meal up at Cinderella's Royal Table. But I have to agree with you, it's it's not so much about the food, it's about the location and, and the characters and, and the atmosphere that you're in there. So, yeah, it's it's been a while, so I, I guess... You're taking me to the castle, right? I'm taking you to California Grill, and you're we'll taking see. me. We'll okay. You get us. You get us a first thing in the morning ADR for Cinderella's Royal Table. I will take you there for breakfast. It's a challenge. All right. All right. We will. We will get the picture of us walking down an empty Main Street for the previous emailer, and uh, and then we'll take care of dinner that night. And, and we'll be right at the Magic Kingdom Loop, so we'll have dinner right at California Grill. There we go. And lunch at Pecos Bills. Anyway, she also asks. <laughs> you got to plan the whole day around food. Yeah. Um, she asks about going to Downtown Disney and the Boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. I mean, especially, um, you know, you guys, let's see, I think he said it was a graduation. Is a, yes, college graduation. You guys have a lot of fun um, in both locations. What, Becky, is the best way to get back and forth from the All-Stars, say, for example, to the Boardwalk? Well, you know, one of the, if you want to use Disney transportation, you can also take a bus to downtown Disney and spend a, lot, a little time there soaking up the atmosphere, shop a bit, then take a bus from downtown Disney to your resort. That works as well. Um, if you don't have that much time or if it's running late at night and, of course, the buses are going to stop running or you just don't want to spend any more time out there and you want to get some rest for the next day, uh, taxis are readily available to get you back and forth. So those are probably the two best options of, uh, of getting you back and forth between those two locations. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Disney transportation is great, but you need to sort of a lot, um, a good deal of time depending on where you're coming from and going to. And and taxi cabs are are very, very readily available at all the locations, uh, even at your resort. So if time is somewhat an issue and it sounds like it might be, you might want to spend, and it's not that expensive. I mean, you talk maybe $10, $15, if that, um, to get around inside property. So... All right, moving on. Next question says, Lou, I'm a faithful listener of your podcast for over a year now. I enjoy them. And she says, immensely. Mm. Immensely. like that. Anyway, makes my <laughs> Monday ride to work almost bearable. 
Uh, we are booked for school vacation next week at the Beach Club, my favorite of the resorts. And like a top 10, I'll also throw in um, Wilderness Lodge and Polynesia. But anyway, we've never stayed there before. <laughs> Actually, we usually stay at a moderate, but with the discount, it's a great excuse to try a deluxe resort. I definitely agree. I know you mentioned that you stayed at the Beach Club and you really like it. Do you remember what room you were in and if you thought it was a good location? Any suggestion for rooms I should request would be very much appreciated. I'm going with my two daughters, 16 and 11, and we are not concerned with noise. We want to be in the center of it all, especially since we live in a small Massachusetts town where it takes 40 minutes to get to the nearest store. Yikes. At this point, I have reserved a standard room, but can upgrade to Waterview if you think it's worth it. Uh, if you have a chance for a quickly pry, I'd really appreciate it. Good luck with all your work. Don't know how you do it, but at least the Disney part must be so much fun. I'd love to take a research trip myself. Anyway, thanks for everything, Karen Rice. Uh, Karen, I, I, I've stayed there a number of times, and I have to say I actually don't remember specifically what room I've stayed in. Uh, I, I've never had a bad room. I, I mean, all the rooms inside are wonderful at the Beach Club. And I think it, and, and Becky, you tell me if you think differently. I think it depends on how much time are you planning on spending in the room. Is that water view going to be important to you? Or is, hey, I want to be close to the elevator. I want to be close to Stormalong Bay. I want to be close to mm-hmm. Epcot. I think room 1510 is the, here's your bit of trivia. I think it's 1510. It's the room all the way on the corner closest to the walkway to the Epcot, which is the closest room on property to a Disney theme park. I think it's 1510. (laughs) Anyway, but if you want to walk out of your your little lanai thing there and and shoot right over to Epcot, that's the place to be. Um, I like, like you, I like kind of being close to the center of it all. I'd rather be close to... Uh, either the you know the store and the elevators and storm along bay <clears throat> beaches and cream whatever it might be you know in case I have to have a meeting Becky you, I'm sure you can appreciate that um, <laughs> but as far as far as specific numbers uh, again the, the choice for water view rooms is really financially does it make sense is it really worth it for you yeah I, I completely agree there's a couple things I do want to point out about the beach club is that they do have very 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 long hallways from the elevator to what could be the outest most reach of the resort property so if you want to be close to the elevator so you can get down into the central parts and you're not in 15 what was it 15 15 whatever you said 10 from the 15 10 if you're not in that location i would definitely put in a request to be somewhere near the elevator to avoid that that walk all the way to what seemingly is walking to the yacht club (laughs) i I was just as a quick aside i'm laughing because i just stayed at the yacht club on my last trip because for research of course and becky i literally had that room I had that room that was at the farthest room. It took me like 50 minutes to get from the elevator. Of course, I got lost in the hallways. But to get to my finally room, which actually had a view of the um, of the quiet pool. That's where I, wow. I, I broadcasted from when I was there. But it was it was at the end of the hallway. It was my room and the fire stairs. Yeah, so, you're you're that you were in that room. So I if you want to avoid being in that room, <laughs> put the request in to be near the elevator. And I I completely echo your your advice to look at how much time you're going to be in the room if you're going to be able to enjoy it. Otherwise, if you're not, if you're going to get up early and go to the parks and stay out late, it might not even be worth um, spending the extra money. Take that extra money and and go take a friend out to California Grill for wishes. Hey now, now you're talking. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next question. Hey, Lou, I'm wondering if you could help me with some tips on what to do in Orlando. I'm going to pretend you said Disney World in the evenings when the park time might not be a possibility. We're going to Orlando and my husband is going to a conference. So his days are booked 
and I don't think I want to do the parks alone, although I think you should. That's a separate question for a separate podcast. Can you help me with some suggestions on what to do that will give me a little Disney fix when we only have evenings together? I'd appreciate any help. Thanks. And that's from Sarah Hirschberger. I'm going to let you say what we all know is going to be the first thing on the list, which is to find a good place to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would also say... Of course, there's there's a lot to do. And again, this this is maybe I did do this as a top 10 once before the top 10 things to do in Walt Disney World at night or after the parks close, because we've we've mentioned earlier the boardwalk, just wandering the boardwalk, going through the shops, uh, having some dessert, maybe at Beaches and Cream or whatever it might be. Downtown Disney, wandering yes. the resorts, Yeehaw Bob, Jelly Rolls, Beaches and Cream, go to your pool, go to Storm Along Bay. This is see, it's a top ten already. I've already rolled off ten. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, everything that you just mentioned. I mean, there's there's other things to to um, do, of course, at night as well. Go to downtown Disney. Go to um, t- take in Lanuba down uh, for a show yes. if you want to do something a little different. Um, tour the resorts. If you want to get a little bit of a Disney fix, you can have a, a drink here and go over to have dinner at another location and and um, you know. Uh, yeehaw bobs, you know <laughs> jelly rolls, everything you just said. I, I take back what I said because I, oh. I, Sarah, this is what I think you should do. And you can surprise your husband. So he comes back from a long day of boring insurance geometry seminars or whatever he's going to. You come back, get a little dressed up, maybe head on over to Crescent Lake, go to the boardwalk, have a nice dinner. If you're a fish guy, if he's a fish guy, take him to Flying Fish. If he's a meat and potatoes man, take him to Yachtsman Steakhouse, then walk him out to the marina in front of the Yacht Club and take him on a ride on Breathless 2. Or take him on an Illuminations cruise and, just when he thinks it's over, go to Jelly Rolls, have have a little sing-along, an adult beverage, or, if you're not an adult beverage person, have a nice romantic evening sitting at the counter at Beaches and Cream sharing a root beer float. Kitchen, there you go. A kitchen sink. Or a kitchen sink if you don't want it to be all that romantic. Your husband then, will love you or I would absolutely. love you if you did that for me. So, Absolutely. And then, of course, in the daytime when she's at the conference, you know what you really need to do, girl? Go and get yourself a spa treatment. Right. So this is really you apologizing for racking up your husband's credit card bill during the day while he's suffering at one of these boring insurance trigonometry seminars. But yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, that's just one of many, many options. I mean, if you're a Port Orleans, you can take a carriage ride. You can take a boat ride down the Sasagula. You could wander down then Disney. Paradiso 37 just opened. Um, so, so, so much to do. So I think we, we might have covered almost everything <laughs> possible to do. So, All right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Lou, we had planned to go to Walt Disney World again for the millionth time in October. We make it there yearly. Unfortunately, we're going to have to push our trip back to 2010 and skip 2009. Insert sad smiley face there. Seeing as I would like to go as soon as possible in 2010, what are your thoughts on going in either January, February, March, or April? Yes, 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 and yes. We've gone in late April before and enjoyed the weather and lower crowd levels very, very much. The last time I went was in late winter, February to be exact. I was 10 years old, and I don't remember the weather very well. I guess I was just excited to be there and didn't care about the weather, much as how we all feel as adults. Uh, let's see. What are, the, what are the high low temps in those earlier months? 
Should we try and go January, February or wait until April? I'm thinking we should avoid March with the busy spring break crowds. I can hear and see Mm. Becky shaking her head. Yes. (laughs) I love Walt Disney World much more when it's less crowded and not too cold. I'm from Minnesota. So what are you worried about the cold for? You're from Minnesota. It goes down to like minus 80 Celsius up there. And we get enough cold weather. But I also consider 60 to 70 degrees nice and fairly warm because Perfect. I am from Minnesota. We value your opinion greatly and would like your input on this decision. No pressure there. Thanks, Christy and Todd. Christy and Joe Todd from Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, so. if if they're trying to avoid the crowds mid-January to early February, we'll offer the lowest typically um and the weather is quite pleasant yeah. with averages I, I don't know correct me if i'm wrong probably in that 72 to 74 at most right. so for anybody from minnesota that's going to be nice and comfortable right. um nighttime of course is cooler probably mid 50s maybe on average but that seems to fit right in his scale being from seattle i kind of agree with with that whole being the you know warm for me um I also agree to avoid March, uh, like the plague, <laughs> because, of course, you have spring break that happens in there, the school breaks, uh, a bunch of youth groups travel during that time as well, so there's a lot of cheer competitions that are going on in March, and the temperatures start climbing, um, uh, probably that average 78 to 80 maybe. Uh, this year, I believe Easter falls pretty early in April, so you want to avoid that. But general rule of thumb, stay away from holidays, President's Day, Martin Luther King, etc. Um, that can really be a hamper on the crowds, obviously, and also tends to get a little busy during marathon weeks. And now in that Q1 period, there's a marathon at the beginning of January, and there's also one in March. So uh, those are things that you want to try to plan around. Yeah, I love going uh, in January and February because mm-hmm. while I do like going... Uh, at the beginning of December, when the crowds are very light, you are going during holiday season. And maybe some people don't want the holiday decorations. They just want the sort of normal Walt Disney World experience. And that's why I kind of like, when possible, right. going back. Um, I love January. I love February. Remember, it does get cool at night. And when I say cool, it's odd to see them sm- selling, you know, wool mittens and hats on Main Street. But it does get cold. And that's the sort of thing. You'll be warm wearing shorts during the day. And my, it can get chilly out on Crescent Lake at night. So you need to just sort of pack accordingly. But again, you're from Minnesota, so 50 degrees should be nothing for you. It should be a walk in the park. Um, But yeah, I agree about March and and the plague. Yeah, that that one area between mid-January to early February, right before you started getting into those uh, uh, the the President's Day holiday, that's always been a really good sweet spot for for crowds and and weather. And And what about room rates as well, too? Room rates are, are pretty low during that time because uh, it, it's not as, as busy because you've just gotten off of the um, uh, the holiday season right after marathon. So it's, the rooms aren't as in, in demand. So there are pretty good room rates during that period. It's a win-win, Christy. Yep. January, February. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Anyway, next question. I'm trying to get through as many as possible. It's not working out very well. Anyway, uh, hey, Lou, been a fan since the old show and love the show still. I was wondering if you can tell me where some Disney movie characters can be found in any of the parks. I mean, anything from windows, boxes, or any reference. I'm not going to overload you with all the ones I have in mind, but here are five. (laughs) Anything, 101 Dalmatians, Mulan, Mary Poppins, Oliver and Company, and last in this email, The Jungle Book. Thanks for your time. Love the show and guests. Owen Lou, bonus question. Uh Uh-oh. He's worried about these. I'm Greek. I was wondering if there were any plans for Greece at Epcot. That's from AJ. AJ, no, but the general <laughs> consensus is we would all, all love to see a Greece pavilion on World Showcase. Okay, 
Becky, I, this is dangerous for me because I'm going to go <laughs> no research, off the cuff, one okay. by one. 101 Dalmatians, two things came right to mind. Uh, the big Dalmatians at All-Star Movies, the, the mm-hmm. icons there. Um, Cruelle DeVille, you know, you can see her in the parks, you can see her in parades, things like that. Um, I can't think of anything else, like right off the bat. No. I'm sure, and this see, this is danger because you know there's the guy in his car banging on the wheels, screaming <laughs> at his iPod, going, Lou, you're an idiot. How did you completely <laughs> forget about Pongo over... Um, so yeah, so I apologize for that. Uh, Mulan, you can do meet and greets with Mulan over in China, right. obviously. Uh, Mushu is also in the the Magic of Disney animation film at the beginning. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of other Mulan reference in there somewhere. And again, screaming at the iPod that I'm missing something blatant. This is yeah. Becky. Becky, you go. Yeah. yeah. How could you forget about you know the Mulan? I, I'm like racking my brain here because obviously nothing is coming to the immediate mind. Mary Poppins came into into my mind right away from, of course, the meet and greets that happened in uh, in England. But some of these are kind of obscure. Uh, the Jungle Book, of course, I can see some of the meet and greets that happen over at um, Animal Kingdom. Um, I, immediately, my brain kind of went to some of the windows that I've seen in some of the shops um, that have featured some of these characters. But... Yeah, I can I can feel it too. People banging on things, and there's yeah. going to be emails flying saying, "But how could you possibly have forgotten about and this?" And just but- so we cover our, our bases, there's obviously <laughs> also Mary Poppins and the Great Movie Ride. You can meet Bert right. and Mary also in the Magic Kingdom um, as well. They 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 shoot on over to the UK Pavilion as soon as they're done there. Uh, Blue King Louis um, again. Ma- both we uh, definitely Animal Kingdom. I'm trying to think if I've seen Blue in. The Magic Kingdom. In a parade. Yes. He's in a parade. I'm almost Mm -hmm. sure. Again, I haven't had my coffee. It's late at night. I mean, early in the morning. Whatever the excuse is. Uh, (laughs) Journey into the Jungle Book. Extinct Attraction. Oliver and Company. That's a tough one. I was avoiding that one. But uh, like March, like the plague, I can't think of anything (laughs) off the top of my head. And again, there's now the woman screaming, how could you forget the Oliver and Company reference on the crate at the Jungle Cruise? I, I don't know if there is one, but... Um, Direct those to Lou at www.radio.com. Thank you. Please do, because, again, (laughs) I I didn't sort of research it. I wanted to see how well I could do. So if I am missing something, let me know. We're posting the forums. Kind of share it with everybody. So um, let's try and get through a couple more real quick, because we are running long and late, as most shows are wont to do. Anyway, Lou, love the podcast. Makes the commute to work go much quicker each morning. I have quite a few questions for you about my upcoming trip. So much for this being short. Um, anyway, so in September, my husband is taking me to Walt Disney World for my 40th, you can call it your 20th, birthday. We're spending nice. a long weekend at the Poly to celebrate. But one thing about listeners, awesome boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, and wives. Oh, going yeah. there for college graduation, staying at the Polynesian. But has several questions for me and Becky. Yes. You I know you love that. Anyway, I do. on my birthday, I would like to ride in the front of the monorail. What are the chances they will allow a party of two adults to do that? Or is that just reserved for the kids? I've never, ever had that opportunity to do it. And I'm hoping against hope that they will let us ride in front. Let's take these one at a time. You can do that. And it's yeah. not just because it's your birthday. 
everyone is special at Disney, even us older kids. So best method is to ask the cast member at the monorail station when you approach it, just let them know you're celebrating and you're willing to wait if necessary, because sometimes a car will pull up and there's already people in it. Um, I don't know about you, but I've heard reports that people have had the most luck at the resorts getting uh, into that front car. It does hold four, so you might have to share with another celebrating couple if you get that lucky to uh, to uh, be able to, to ride, but they will definitely be accommodating. Yeah, and just just ask, just ask, mm-hmm. and you, again, you might have to wait if you want to wait. Um, but again, especially if it's if it's a really crowded time, you might have to, you might not be able to do it. But we're gonna go quick. Uh, let's see. Someone told me that you can get a birthday button at your resort when you check in. Is that true, or do we have to wait until we get to the parks to get one? I believe you can get one at the resorts, can't you? You absolutely can. As a matter of fact, personally, I prefer this method. So the celebration starts and the recognition begins right away. Um, magic happens in all kinds of places at Disney. So not just the park. So get it your check-in. And remember, you don't. You can get a button to celebrate anything you want. It doesn't just have to be your birthday or your anniversary. Right. You can celebrate just the fact that you're there and not in Minnesota working. So... Um, <laughs> We've decided to use the free admission option on my birthday. Good call. I've registered online and printed out my certificate. Can we go right to the park, Epcot most likely, or do we have to go to the TTC first to redeem that? Nope. You can visit any guest services counter at the front of the any of the form theme parks. Unfortunately, they can't take care of that at the resort, but the guest services uh, booth will be able to do that for you at the theme park. Well, then here you go. So she says, well, when we redeem my certificate, will DH my darling or Disney husband be able to go through the same line and entrance as birthday guests or does he enter somewhere else and we have to meet up on the other side yep you both go through together it's the same turnstiles Uh, they'll just be giving you the one day ticket Cheryl's getting her bang for the buck because she goes on to ask on my birthday we want to do the Segway Tour at World Showcase and I was hoping for an early tour before official park open if I'm using the free admission certificate Will we still be able to get into the park before official opening time for our tour, or do we have to book a tour that happens after park opening? Mm, Okay, I believe the booth that you have to get the ticket at opens at about 8 a.m. typically. So if you have that 8.30 a.m. tour, you can still do it to get your ticket, but you have a very narrow window of opportunity to get you, excuse me, to make it from the um, the gate to your meeting spot that they designate for the tour. So in other words, run. <laughs> no stopping, look in the windows, no chatting, just get your ticket and go and you should be able to make it okay. I actually suggest not running and just walking fast. So. <laughs> all right. We all, we all need a little bit of exercise to work off the creme brulee. Move on. <laughs> so several shows ago, again, she mentions you and Becky spoke about a private dinner at the Grand Floridian, I think it was. Is that on the beach where you can see the water parade? And is it open to anyone? Cheryl, you're thinking big on this trip. I love it. Um, Or is it only open to guests at that hotel? And how do we go about requesting that? And I know we did some research on this one before. It's it's very pricey, but worth it if you're looking for a unique experience. Although I'm still, I have not been able to confirm if it's reserved only for Grand Floridian guests or not. Um, you can call them and ask for the details to see what the current policy is for it. Very romantic experience. Um, as I'm hurrying, I don't have the number right in front of me. Lou, I'll give it to you again for the show notes. Perfect. Uh, I think this is the last question she has. During the weekend, we've had plans to eat at Bongo's, the San Angel Inn, and do a character meal at Crystal Palace during the weekend. We're also going to do the behind-the-seeds tour while on Epcot and stop into the Haynes store to make me a special t-shirt. Is there anything else you could suggest, just one, Becky, to make this an extra... First of all, this is already an extra special birthday, Cheryl. Yeah. But even a more super-duper extra special birthday... 
And she says sorry for all the long and so many questions. Thanks for taking the time, Cheryl. Only one? I, I think if I was only to pick one, it would be to make sure to wear that celebration button every day of your trip. It's it's your um, it's your celebration, and you want people to see that and know that. You'll get wonderful wishes from cast members, lots of smiles, and you never know what surprises might come your way. My answer, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer because I can. Walt Disney World is filled with so many unheralded, unknown, overlooked, incredibly unique and special events and opportunities. Pick one and indulge yourself and really treat yourself. So if it's the Richard Petty driving experience, if it's renting a water mouse, if it's parasailing over Bay Lake, if it's getting the super ultra mega sea wrap massage thing at at Mandara... Whatever that thing is, treat yourself because life is too short. You only go around once and you're only 40 once. Your husband's going to pay for it anyway. So <laughs> I say treat yourself and uh, and worry about it later on and just really do. You're going to have a memorable experience. So just pick that one super special thing that you can, that you really want to do. And if it's something for your husband, if he wants to say, hey, you know what? Let's take an afternoon and just kind of go fishing and just spend some time together. Do that. And then that's your present to him for your 40th birthday. Good advice. There you go. All right. This next one says, hello, Lou and guest. I think he means Becky. I have another jumble of questions for you. Okay, here we go. Number one, are the bus routes and stops sequence published somewhere? I'm going to the world soon and want to know the bus schedule so that my kids can have to spend the least amount of time on the bus. We're staying at Old Key West and the kids are five, three and seven months. I can see why you want to ask that question. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. On, on average, uh, they run about every 20 minutes, but I'm not aware of an actual schedule. I suspect that they're con- uh, they're probably changing pretty consistently based on demand, so I'm not sure if a, if a schedule really exists. Do you know different? My understanding is that no sort of printed schedule does exist, and they do yeah. adjust accordingly depending on crowds. My understanding is that if there are people waiting at the bus stop and there's a lot and there's a, you know, sort of a maybe an unanticipated backlog of guests they might even dispatch another bus out there to try and pick up any of that overflow so but nothing that i can see but again five three and seven months depending on the kids you may want to even think about renting a car yeah just throwing it out there number two made adrs for dinner at the parks and resorts but i was wondering if you can make multiple eight now the question is can you make not should you make multiple adrs (laughs) for the same time at different locations this way we have options and we can choose where we want to eat depending on our mood and of course cancel the ones we won't use uh, should you and can you? you you probably did a really good job of clarifying that um, uh, yeah you yes you can you can should you that's another story because of course if you make an ADR then you're holding something that you may not be using that another uh, family may be desperately looking for somewhere to eat so uh, my advice would be cancel it as soon as possible if you do make multiple make sure that you give ample time for somebody else to be able to enjoy that spot don't hold them until the last minute and and certainly you know don't just let them sit there absolutely i mean be courteous to other guests who especially those who want to try and do a walk up or whatever it might be Uh, becky i'm going to quickly put you on the spot uh disney recently introduced the online Mm -hmm. system to make adrs i've played around with a little bit um very slick very impressive does that preclude you from overlapping? ADRs? You know, that's what, 
that's a really good question because uh, we've played with it and it's still somewhat in, in testing phases. There were points where we were able to overlap and there were times that we weren't. I don't know if that was systems issues or if it was uh, literally some sort of policy being um, put in into place with it. Uh, jury's still out on exactly what you can and cannot do with it. I, I'm a little bit um, disappointed in some of the, the suggestions it throws back at you. For example, there's been a, a couple of opportunities where we've tried to make a, a reservation for California Grill and it comes back and says, I'm sorry, that's not available. Would you like to go to Sci-Fi Dine-In? So, <laughs> Which is right below California Grill on the list. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it, it's it, it, it's definitely not um, 100% uh, something that I would lean on to do all of my um, all of my dining reservations but it is there as a tool right and third where would you guys get a neat autograph book for the kids to get autographed when they meet the characters thanks that's Matt from Kansas City who in the chat and on the forums wants me to make sure I say his username is Lou has a monster head Thanks, Matt Roche. <laughs> Let's give out Matt Roche's cell phone number. <laughs> nice, Matt. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you can you can order them before you go. I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, DisneyShopping.com came out with some of the things you can order for the par- parks recently. Yeah. Um, that way you can have them before you check in. Uh, you can also purchase this, purchase them at the gift shop at the resort. So the moment you get there, you can run to the gift shop and, and get a couple. But if you want them beforehand, DisneyShopping.com. Recommend them getting right away so that you don't miss the opportunities. Um, the one thing that I do suggest, bring your own Sharpie because they can get kind of pricey in the gift shops. But make sure the, the pen that you bring is large enough for a hand to, to a large hand to fit around because, of course, the characters have rather big fingers so you don't want to just get a teeny little pen exactly and uh i think a, a voicemail over the, a, a couple of weeks ago when we did a, after we did a segment about getting character autographs uh, i did a segment with chuck lineberger on the show you should listen back probably somewhere mm-hmm. like the 110 115 shows uh somebody else came back had a suggestion you can go to craft stores you can go to, to some of your local stores even before you leave get books that maybe you can put the picture of a character on the left hand side put the character's autograph on the right-hand side, so now you have sort of the photographic memory uh, to attach with the, the autograph itself. Um, yeah. And if you're looking to save money, too, and if you're uh, there's places, if you happen to go off property, some of the local places like Walgreens have, they are official Disney-licensed autograph books, maybe a little bit cheaper than you get in the parks, and again, gives you a chance to get it, maybe give it to your kids as a present before you even get there so they have it in hand, because if you get there at rope drop, there's sometimes an immediate rush to get into Town Square for some of the autographs saves you some time there. Right. So, Becky, we have a lot more questions to go, but we're running way, way long. So I'm going to pick one more, and we'll have to pick this up next time. So, um, and, and I didn't pick this one specifically because it has food, just because it's next on the list. And it, <laughs> it comes from... Now, I think it's Jason Fleetwood from Pennsylvania or Jason from Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. So either way, Jason says, Hey, Lou, love the show. Please keep up the great work and keeping everyone entertained every week. Thank you very much. Jason has two dining questions for us. My my girlfriend and I are going down to Walt Disney World and need some help with one of our dinner reservations. We're going to be on the dining plan and we're interested in, in dinner at the World Showcase in Epcot. So number one, he says, as of now, China's Nine Dragons is currently not accepting the Disney dining plan. Every time I ask Disney about it, they keep suggesting that I book my ADR and if it's still not on the list when it, when we're there, to cancel res- the reservation. I was wondering if you heard anything more concrete about the restaurant. 
I think what happens, Becky, is as each year as they renew, sometimes the the uh, the third party restaurants don't get added to the list right away until maybe those contracts are renewed. Eventually, they seem to to eventually do it. Maybe when Matt when Jason wrote his email, that was the case. But I believe China is it is part of the uh, the dining yeah. plan now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I believe it is. I haven't heard any change on Nine Dragons at all. So that one definitely should be a part of the dining plan, as far as I know. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that's just what happens, Jason. Um, again, whenever those things expire, or, or maybe at the end of the year, beginning of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. But but more importantly, his second question is, what restaurant besides the San Angelin in the World Showcase would you recommend? That's Jason, that's so open-ended. You're going to get like 17 answers here. But I will, Easy. ladies first. <laughs> ladies first. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna all right, right top of my. Obviously You're gonna say restaurant Marrakesh, aren't you? Um, no. <laughs> Jason Belly Dancers, come on. <laughs> That's the you one I probably. You ain't getting that at La Cellier, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you might get uh, breadsticks, but you're not getting a, bre- a belly dancer. Pretzel bread, much. Yeah. Anyway, La Cellier, uh, uh Teppanito, Tokyo Dining. I love both of those in Japan. Um, Tutu Italia mm-hmm. is is now mm-hmm. obviously one of the ones that's on my list. And you know what? The one that I don't think about a lot because I'm always thinking about World Showcase, Coral Reef. That's because it's not in World Showcase. That's why you're not thinking about I, it. I know. That's, that's part of the problem. That's that's one of the ones that I was just looking at not too long ago for, for a client. And um, I was looking at the menus over there. And I, I think I might have to go do a research trip over there again. So, If you need any help there. <laughs> I'm your guy. I'm just. I'm I know. Uh, we just might need to do a trip that does nothing but go from restaurant to restaurant to yeah. restaurant, and then, of course, to the health club. That's called Food and Wine Festival, and I have, <laughs> I have no interest in visiting the health club. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try and not pull a Becky or a Lou, and I'm going to try and give you one answer. And it's tough because so many different options. How casual do you want to be? How adventurous yeah. do you want to be? What's your palate like? You're saying San Angelin, so maybe you're like, I'm assuming that you're liking the Mexican. Already have that booked. Um, I'm gonna not say Nine Dragons. I'm going around the going around the world. <laughs> Tutto Italia is up there. Uh, although See? monstrous fan of, of Tokyo Dining and Teppanetto. Um, yep. Is it Edo or Edo? It's Teppanetto. <laughs> it is Edo. Okay, I keep saying Edo, so my apologies. I yeah. You can't go wrong. I mean, you really can't go wrong at most of the restaurants. Even some of the counter. I mean, Yakitori House, Tangerine Cafe. I mean. The walk-up counter service things are awesome. Uh, I was very impressed with Tutto Italia last time I went. Mm-hmm. Always impressed with Japan. Um, La Cellier is La Cellier, if you can get in, although I like Yatsman better. Um, the only, Jason, I'm going to give you this. The only place that I do not recommend in World Showcase, and it pains me as an American to say this, but if uh. I see you walk into the Liberty Inn at the American Adventure... <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a whooping because you should not be in World Showcase eating burgers and fries. Although, you know, God bless America. I'm all I'm down with the July 4th barbecues, but that's not um, that's not what should be in America. And that's not what should be at that pavilion. But I digress. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I, you can't go yeah. wrong. I mean, there's really not a restaurant there that I, that I think, wow, really needs to be, you know, replaced. Norway. You want to really try something a little bit different. Go to Norway. The cold fish bar. The cold bar thing wow you're not you're not, not digging a, Norway not huh? a fan not a fan are you not a fan because you're just you're just not digging the concept of you're from Seattle you that's all you people do is eat fish <laughs> huh? 
Uh, well, uh, my my That's such an generalization. God, I'm sorry. My, Between the Irish Ireland common and the, the Seattle common, I'm alienating listeners left uh, and right. Yeah, exactly. You know, my grandmother was born in Norway and came over and fed us Ludafisk, and from then on, it just kind of went, um, um, no. <laughs> Have a lefse in Norway in the Kringle Bay. Oh. There you go. I, I could do that. Potato and butter and sugar. and eh, Phenomenal. Anyway, I, I've gotten way off on a tangent, and now I'm starving <laughs> and out of time. Becky, we've gone way, way, way too long, and for that, I apologize. And for everybody whose email I did not get to, I promise we're going to do this much more often. Becky is back from her world travels. We will be, we will be hopping into the inbox much more often. And uh, as always, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, my friend, my recommended travel provider, and the woman who I know is going to wow me. Finally, <laughs> wow us all with her, with her soon-to-be new signature goodbye. I want to say thank you again for joining me. Wow. You, you just really know how to do a setup, don't you? That, that whole expectations game. This time... I, again, I haven't seen all the emails from you that you're supposed to send to me to give me all these great suggestions that I could pick Not one. one. So Not today, one. We haven't gotten one. <laughs> so today, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks to all of you who, who've really helped me out here. I, I am going to just go ahead and say slan. Slan is Irish for goodbye and farewell. So slan to you, Lou, and to the listeners, and have a magical day. And I won't be traveling for at least, I don't know, a few days. So hopefully I'll be back with more emails really soon and I'm going to but I'm going to see you up in Seattle soon at the uh, Northwest Mouse Meet yes absolutely August, August 15th. looking forward to I'm that I'm coming so. out to Seattle because I want me some cold fish <laughs> I'm sure we can accommodate that Lou <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be a problem I want cold fish and lefsa when I come out to the Mouse Meet so <laughs> oh boy alright we'll Thanks see again. what we can do for you there buddy and uh, and we'll be seeing you at whatever restaurant you're going to be taking me to next See it? Oh, God, California Grill. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm so excited. Unique. Unique is a word that's used to describe Walt Disney World for so many reasons and in many, many different ways. And the concept itself of Walt Disney World was unique, as are its attractions, entertainment, and certainly its cast members. But on a much simpler level, many of its offerings are unique as well and have been since the park opened in 1971. And as the conversation is one that often turns to food, some of Walt Disney World's dining locations are unique in their own right. And one of my favorites and most unique is in downtown Disney on the shores of the Village Lake. For here sits Fulton's Crab House, but for will ever be known to many of us as the Empress Lily. And while you might not think a restaurant has a long and storied history, think again. Because remember, this is Walt Disney World and everything is about story. And joining me today in front of the Empress Lily herself is one of the greatest storytellers I know and a man who knows and loves his Disney history, Jim Corcus. Jim, welcome back. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lou. And uh, I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't point out, being a former English teacher, something can't be uh, more unique. <laughs> or Something is either unique or it's not unique. 
uh, something that's definitely unique at uh, Disney or was very unique at Disney was uh, storytelling and combining storytelling and uh, commerce together. And of course you say we're out in front of the uh, Empress Lily. Everybody listening knows that Empress Lily doesn't uh, exist anymore. It's Fulton's uh, uh, Crab House. And I'd like to reassure uh, those listeners because I got asked this uh, uh, question uh, last time I was with you. Yes, we are actually at the physical location because that's what Lou wants. Uh, we could be in a nice air-conditioned studio having Disney princesses peel grapes for us and have index cards in front of us and a computer so we can check things. But no, we're out here uh, in the heat and the humidity on this uh, a uh, wonderful morning uh, in front of here uh, to tell, again, some wonderful stories in the hopes that those people who are listening will now uh, have a better appreciation when they come to the area or, more importantly, help uh, share those stories with their friends and family. And if we sit here long enough, we might actually be able to have dinner at the Empress. I mean, it's the morning right now, but we can probably, you know, get eight hours worth of content out of this. Mm -hmm. at, oh, gosh, absolutely. And as I told you, I've never eaten at Fulton's Crab House. I never ate at uh, uh, Empress Lily. I, I regret uh, all of those uh, uh, missed opportunities. Um, when I uh, used to interview uh, uh, animators out in... Uh, uh, California, and they were in their uh, 70s and, and 80s, they all pretty much said the same thing. Jim, when you come to the end of your life, you don't regret those things that you did. You can forgive yourself. You regret those things that you never did. You had the opportunity to do it, but because you were scared or you were just distracted by something else, you never did it. And so that's why I'm glad that we're taking the opportunity now to finally record the stories of the Empress uh, uh, Lily and uh, not let it go even uh, a day more without that being out there for people to have. And again, we'll have to eat here because I want to make sure I contribute <laughs> to really fulfilling your life experience and, and Fulton's is one of them. But, you know, I actually did eat here and I ate mm -hmm. here as a kid and that's sort of what predicated the piece because I'd gotten an email a few weeks ago from mm -hmm. someone who said, you know, I remember having a character breakfast on a boat somewhere and I'm not exactly sure where it was. And I answered the, the, uh, the email sort of very much glossing over the Empress Lily. Um, but I think, and I said at the time that she really deserves her due because there is a great story and there is a long history behind her. And I remember as a kid coming here for, the, for a, character, a very unique character breakfast. And I still on my wall, Jim, have to this day a framed little uh, scroll that they sort of gave you with all the characters around it and Captain Hook, all the classic Disney characters that was signed, I believe, by Mickey Mouse. Right, and, and you got cheated, Lou, because when the character breakfast first came out, you could actually get a pennant. And on the pennant was uh, Empress Lily character breakfast, and there was a uh, wonderful drawing of the Empress Lily and, and uh, Mickey and Minnie in costume over there. And uh, they also had uh, cups and glasses that were themed to the character breakfast. I've seen uh, several different variations. There's one that was a, uh, a white cup that had... Uh, uh, just Mickey's head, but a, uh, an Empress Lily uh, skipper's cap on it. And then there was a uh, glass uh, cup where Mickey was actually etched into the glass and the etching actually said, character breakfast, Empress Lily. So uh, I'm glad you got the certificate and I'm glad you're excited about the certificate, but there was so much more uh, you could have had. And uh, again, uh, people listening today, they're going to hear so much more uh, about this. Well, see, I got the I got the pennant. I, I cheated. Okay. I, I cheated. I cheated my parents, and I got the pennant on eBay. 
But now as a completist, I have to go out and seek out the cup and the glasses just to make sure that I, that I have it all for my collection. Where I'll put it, I have no idea. But Well, at, at least you have some self-control, uh, uh, Lou, so, because you're not seeking out the characters themselves and, and have them uh, uh, run around the house to uh, uh, interact with your, with your family there. But um, people tuned in because they want to hear the story. So let's let's talk a little bit about the story. But as with every story, you want to have, you know, a little bit of, uh, of a backstory. And, and of course, uh, most of the listeners know that uh, Magic Kingdom here at uh, Walt Disney World opened in 1971. And uh, there were also uh, some resorts uh, that opened uh, as well, the uh, Polynesian, the contemporary Fort Wilderness. But that was all surrounded um, around the Magic Kingdom, which is in the north part uh, of the the property here, and uh, unfortunately, the gas crisis and all that uh, prevented uh, some expansion. But expansion did take place, and so in uh, 1974, in this area, they built the uh, Disney Village Resort, which later became the Disney Institute, and today is uh, uh, the Disney Vacation Club, Saratoga Springs. But but that was going to be a um, a, a small, quiet little uh, resort area, and just up the block was the uh, Motor Inn Plaza, I-N-N, the Motor Inn Plaza, and of course it was Motor Inn because you had your car and you motored in, and so you had the Dutch Inn, you had the Royal Inn, you had the Travel Lodge, you had Howard Johnson's, mm -hmm. and that eventually evolved into Hotel Plaza Boulevard as we know it today. But again, everything was up to the north of property. So you needed a support area for that Disney Village Resort and for the Motor Inn uh, Plaza. So uh, in 1975, uh, the Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village opened up. And it really was a small town village. In fact, the, the slogan was, uh, uh, come visit the quiet corner of the world. And uh, there was a, a barber shop, a post office, a, a pharmacy, a, a candle shop. It really was like a, a little small uh, uh, shipping village. And in fact, uh, you said you actually visited at that time and saw some things, right? My mother loved coming here. So I remember being here a lot, but I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, I remember not that this is where my mother was going, but I remember a liquor store. I remember like a small grocery store. I mean, she was big at the candle mm -hmm. shop, but I remember yeah. seeing some of those things and it did it. It didn't feel like uh, a very like commercial, everything was like a merchandise shop. Mm -hmm. It was, like I said, like a real little village. Mm -hmm. Ab absolutely uh, correct. And, and again, it became very popular too, because uh, especially for uh, the locals. And, uh, and the tourists as well, because uh, you could go and you could purchase Disney merchandise and get Disney quality service without going into the Magic Kingdom or without staying at one of the resorts or without going downtown to downtown Orlando, Church Street Station, whatever. And... Uh, well, well, the area too, I mean, at one point, Disney was actually going to have residents here. I mean, very early on, weren't they gonna sell, um, you know, sell homes and sell some of the condos and what ended up being you know, Saratoga Springs in this area? Uh, absolutely. But, but again, as I tell people, Disney's middle name is Jello. So even though something gets announced or something is planned, uh, it, it constantly redevelops. And one of the things they immediately saw was that uh, this was such a successful area that we need to expand this. And so, uh, again, you see some of those uh, uh, little uh, shops leaving and you're getting more higher end retail uh, shops going in. And um, 
they wanted to start a big expansion starting in 1977. And so uh, that's one of the whole purposes of uh, the Empress Lily, because around the uh, uh, Village Lagoon here, you had um, only four places to eat. You had Light Bite, um, L-I-T-E, Light Bite, and you had uh, Heidelberg's uh, um, uh, Deli, and boy, we really need a good deli in Central Florida. There are none here. And the Village Restaurant, and then you had Captain Jack's. And that, that reminds me about, you know, how important it is to have the, the story because uh, I was out here a week or two ago with uh, my brother and we uh, uh, ate over there at Captain Jack's and I heard somebody at the other uh, uh, table who was obviously the Disney expert in their group uh, spouting off about, yes, how this is an example of synergy, that Captain Jack relates to Captain Jack Sparrow, <laughs> and, you know, uh, how come Disney didn't go with the uh, pirate theme because it would scare kids over here and, and all of that. And I almost want to say, no, it's called Captain Jack because um, it was in honor of a Disney legend, Jack Lindquist, who loved uh, uh, fishing and all of that. And for those people who don't know who Jack is, go to the Disney Legends page because uh, that will be good and then you'll discover some other Disney Legends as well. And um, Jack's still alive. He'd be a great person to interview. But anyway, you only had those four areas and you wanted, you know, a higher end uh, restaurant out here. So you go with um, uh, the Empress Lily. And again, the uh, even looking at it right now, it looks like a boat. It looks like a, a ship, but it all it really is is a building on a on a concrete block here. So it's a building that looks like a ship. So that's very much in style of that uh, California crazy architecture that we discussed about over at. Uh, um, the Disney Studios. So uh, this is uh, 220 feet long, uh, 62 feet wide, and when it had its uh, smokestacks, it was 84 feet high. Uh, so uh, twice the size of um, the paddle wheelers that are over at the uh, Magic Kingdom. And um, at 84 feet high and, and, and this wide, this was a huge icon. So this was going to be the icon of the, uh, the shopping village here. Um, and uh, those people who are interested in icons, where can they read more about that, Lou? They can read Jim's article <laughs> in issue four of Celebrations Magazine, and that's why it's a great time <laughs> that you talk about sort of these, these visual weenies, these things that sort of draw people, and I mean, sitting in front of you, you don't realize how big Fulton's really is, and like you said, sort of that California crazy type of movement, when it used to have its smokestacks, and used to have mm -hmm. the paddle wheel that was actually mm -hmm. churning, I mean, again, I had people, and I'm sure you have as well, <laughs> swearing that they remember <laughs> taking a ride on the old Empress Lily around Village Lake, but certainly that's not the case. Well, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that uh, misconception. We'll go into to one a little later, but, but the other, uh, of course, is that the steamships at uh, Magic Kingdom moved. Why wouldn't this move, you know, uh, for that to happen? But, but anyway, this was, this was uh, uh, you know, fairly huge, very detailed, multi-million dollar uh, a project because most people don't realize that at this location there were nine different lounges and restaurants and they all had different menus. Um, so it, it was uh, uh, fairly uh, amazing. And again, it was named the Empress Lily in honor of uh, Walt Disney's uh, widow, um, uh, Lillian Disney. And, and I have the feeling that Dick Nunes uh, uh, was uh, probably uh, involved with that, although I haven't, uh, in my research, I didn't come up with documentation. I, I just have the sense that 
uh, wanted that. And I know for a fact that Lillian absolutely uh, uh, loved this. And so um, this opened in May of 1977, uh, but the dedication ceremony wasn't until May 15th. 1977. So that was a little after it was actually open to the public. And uh, so Lillian was uh, down there at the uh, end with uh, the Disney chairman of the board at the time, Don Tatum, and the Walt Disney World ambassador, and I've forgotten her name right now, but the three of them were down there and Lillian took a bottle of champagne and smashed it on the uh, paddle wheel. And the paddle wheel uh, was pretty impressive. Again, we're talking 22 feet by 36 feet and again, constantly churning. So you, you've got that, that sense of um, uh, motion and kinetics, which again, will attract the attention and, and uh, uh, bring people uh, 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 down, to, down to this. Um, and you said you ate here. Do, do you remember which lounge or restaurant you ate in? I can't say that I remember the name. I was, I was yeah. a, a wee lad at the time, but what <laughs> I will tell you what I do remember, and I remember when I talked about yeah. this on the show, was I remember a, uh, a room with, with deep red carpeting and, and heavy chairs with, with, from what I remember, red leather, um, dark woods, and it's a, it very much had the late 70s sort of lounge feel to it. Right, and that, uh, that was the Baton Rouge uh, Lounge, and um, that was one of the largest because it had uh, seating for about 200 people. And uh, yes, the, the red was to, to tie in with the name, Baton Rouge, Rouge, of course, being French for red. And the red carpet was the exact same red carpet that they use on uh, the Lillian uh, VIP railroad car at uh, Disneyland. And the Baton Rouge Lounge um, uh, was also where you had uh, performers, the Riverboat uh, Rascals doing uh, Dixieland uh, uh, jazz, and you had and tell me that I'm not crazy that there was a kazoo player that please <laughs> no you're not you're not crazy there, there were all all sorts of uh, uh, elements there they, actually I think the only uh, thing that I wish would have played over there would have been the firehouse five plus uh, plus two but uh, no you had performers like uh, John Charles who's performed all over property at the hoop-de-doo review and the um, Diamond Horseshoe when it really was the Diamond Horseshoe and all that. And so you had that. And then uh, towards the back there, you would have the uh, Stearman's uh, quarters. And uh, so that was actually a play on words because the Stearman, of course, is the person who's, who's steering the ship. But since it specialized in um, Angus beef and, and, and all of that, it was a play on the word of uh, cattle. The people who take care of cattle are a Stearman. And you would look out the back window there and you would see the constantly churning paddle wheel. And I recently talked with somebody who, who ate there and he said, well, no, Jim, it's, it's very disconcerting seeing that wheel constantly moving, but you're not moving. He, he said, after a while, I just had to look away because my mind was going, this just does not compute. And then uh, up above, you have the uh, fisherman's uh, deck. And so now you're down to like about 126 uh, uh, you know, uh, seats and, and you have all the fish and again all of these different menus in different locations and you have the uh, Empress Room and the Empress uh, Lounge and now you're down to uh, 68 seats and um, 
again, very elegant, and, and it was required that you made reservations. It was required that you wore a jacket and tie. Uh, they had a harpist. So all of those people who go, oh my gosh, Victoria and Alberts, where did they come up with that idea? You have to wear the jacket and tie and there'd be a harpist. Well, it all started here. And then uh, up above there on the, uh, you have the captain's uh, table, and now you're down to about, you know, 20 people. And there was a 24-foot-long uh, uh, parquet uh, diamond uh, uh, dining table that uh, was uh, brought from um, uh, New Orleans Square in um, in uh, Disneyland, and uh, again, so, so some of those are you know we haven't even mentioned the the Texas deck or uh, some of the others, but this was very very uh, elaborate and and. Uh, uh, a very dining experience and this was the top of the line dining experience that you would have on property and as you mentioned earlier this was the first location where they had uh, character breakfasts on property and that was the thing that's so unique about it. the single building had multiple dining experiences on different levels mm -hmm. a, a simple fun character breakfast up to that private dining for just you and your very close friends or family mm -hmm. up in the in the captain's area up on the top deck and and uh, and again, I remember also eating at the steerman. I remember, don't remember being at the yeah. captain's table. I remember yeah. eating at the, at the steerman's quarters. Mm -hmm. But this was one of those sort of out-of-the-way places that people that were coming to the theme parks may not always have known about for that finer, more upscale dining. Mm -hmm. uh, ab abso absolutely. But, uh, and in fact, it was so popular that this was going to be uh, the keystone for... Um, the expansion of this area because as we're sitting here we, we can look over and we can see that uh, you know we have Pleasure Island over here to the side that wasn't the original plan for this area the original plan for this area was uh, and Dick Nunes uh, announced this in 1981 that um, this was going to be themed like New Orleans Square in Disneyland and so uh, they'd be building over here but the uh, bottom floor would all be uh, the shops but the upper floor would be uh, hotel rooms. And so people would actually uh, live there. And so what had happened is the uh, uh, Empress Lily had pulled in to Port Orleans, you know, to unload cargo and passengers and to, and to take on. And that's why she's still churning is she's, she's ready to leave at any minute, but all of this activity. And this was very much in keeping with um, what Disney constantly tried to do, which was, let's see if we can get a hotel experience where guests not only stay there, but they become part of that show. We talked about that at the studios, about the Hollywood Tower of Terror, that that was uh, the original concept. But um, as you know, 1981, 1982, bad times for the Disney company, right? True. <laughs> yes, so uh, what's happening is uh, Epcot has been built, and so an awful lot of uh, uh, money and resources have been invested in that. And, and while Epcot would become popular, you know, in the beginning, you have uh, all of that to compensate for. See, and you can hear real planes, you know, plane crazy. See, that, that'll be the, the next thing that we'll talk about. Um, so you have all of that money invested in Epcot. The, your uh, motion pictures, the Disney Company motion pictures, aren't doing uh, very well. And so now there's threats of uh, takeovers and buyouts and all of that. And so obviously expanding, you know, uh, the downtown uh, uh, Disney Marketplace area is not, you know, a priority. And uh, then in 84, 85, you're having Michael Eisner and uh, Frank Wells come on board. And... Um, 
Michael Eisner loved the concept of, uh, you know, a, uh, a New Orleans hotel, and so that's why we have Port Orleans built up the block, because again, what he wanted down here was something that could um, uh, compete or outdo uh, Church Street Station. Because again, people were already gravitating to this area. This then just seemed to be a natural thing. If we're going to expand, let's expand it with those things that people are wanting, but they're having to drive 45 minutes or an hour, you know, to, to get to. So uh, we'll do that. So we'll have uh, um, uh, Pleasure Island. And um, well, real quick, I mean, there mm -hmm. were always sort of ideas and thoughts when they saw how successful it was being to expand. Uh, what this this Lake Buena Vista Village and mm -hmm. Walt Disney World Village was going to be, and I remember seeing concept art for a transportation system that was going to bring guests here, whether it was to be a, a monorail type system or a Wedway People Mover type system. Yeah, absolutely. But again, you know, it's all written in Jello, and uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, and everybody loves uh, the uh, monorail uh, system, and yes, this was going to be one of those. Uh, locations and uh, over the years, I've been out here uh, a little over 12 years now. Almost every year, I hear you know of, of projects of yes, we're going to have a ticket in uh, uh, transportation center uh, built over at the studios, and then that will go out to those uh, uh, to Animal Kingdom because people are having trouble getting out to Animal Kingdom. It'll stop at some of the resorts along the way, and and, and all of that. But uh, out here in Florida, we're on an aquifer, and an aquifer is like having a, a sponge in a bowl of water. And so when there's no water in the bowl, the, the sponge dries out, and so things sink. Or if there's too much water, the, the sponge gets all gushy and things, things sink. Uh, so Disney controls the water flow out here and actually has uh, rapid infiltration basins where they can dump in water immediately to change the level if they need to. Um, especially when there's uh, uh, drought uh, uh, conditions. But again, it's very unstable, and so it's very costly to build, you know, uh, the monorail. And I, I know that uh, uh, two years ago they had focus groups and they brought in guests and they said, uh, now if we had a monorail going from the studios out there and eventually that would then connect, you know, with, with Epcot, um, would you be willing to buy a monorail pass to use the monorail and if so, what is the highest amount of money you would be willing to pay for that pass, hoping that that money would help uh, offset that? But but yes, the uh, getting um, um, back. So, so would you buy a monorail pass? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was dumb enough that I in, in in my high school I bought an elevator pass, and it was all just you know first floors here. They 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 did that for the new kids who were coming in. Um, I I think a monorail pass could be uh, uh, valuable. You know, I I think. Uh, uh, I, I probably would. I, I certainly buy other things that are D Disney uh, related, and, f and for the f convenience of that and all, I, I, I might be willing, depending upon what that is. I guess that'll be a new D23 uh, uh, um, initiative that they'll uh, they'll go with. But but yes, getting back to our, our uh, uh, topic here is uh, yes. So there there was going to be a, a transportation system here to. Uh, um, uh, uh, the Village Lagoon here, and uh, monorail was the most frequently, but yes, Wedway had been uh, uh, talked about uh, as well as part of, you know, Walt's whole Epcot uh, concept of using that uh, uh, type of transportation. Now, uh, the problem, of course, was that um, when uh, Pleasure Island opened, you know, how do you explain a Mississippi uh, a steamboat? So uh, the Empress Lily got rewritten 
into the history of uh, Pleasure Island. And now uh, it was called the Floating Arts Palace. And it had been a um, uh, paddle wheel steamboat on the Mississippi for 25 years. Meriwether Adam Pleasure purchased it uh, for his family. And on one of his trips, you know, exploring, ran into this island to create, you know, Pleasure Island. So he moored it uh, right here. And this was his house and uh, guest quarters and entertainment center until he built his permanent house. And the permanent house, of course, is the Portobello uh, Yacht Club. And the reason it's Italian-themed is that Meriwether Pleasure's wife was Il Isabella. She was of Italian heritage, so that's why you have the Italian thing. And she wanted a real house and moved into that. But um, uh, Pleasure just loved the, the steamship, so it became an entertainment center. And so this whole plaza out here then was renamed Lily Plaza, so that they would have concerts and performers and... Uh, uh, things uh, uh, out here and entertainment going on. And then according to legend, his son, uh, Stuart, uh, took the Empress Lily out uh, joyriding and uh, smashed into the bridges that connect, uh, you know, the mainland with, with Pleasure Island. So that's why the bridges are concrete, uh, you know, so that they'd be solid so the Stuart doesn't, you know, uh, destroy them uh, uh, again. And uh, then what happened is uh, 1995, uh, Levi Restaurants take over and they get a 20-year um, uh, license, uh, you know, to, to run this uh, uh, location and things start to change drastically. Of course, they, they gut the interior. Uh, there's three restaurants inside now, but they all serve the same menu. Uh, it's not different menus, not different cooks. Um, they took a look at the uh, uh, the smokestacks on top, and they were authentic smokestacks. So there was rot, there was corrosion, and was like, let's get rid of these. You know, we've already invested all this money in here. We can't invest money to rehab that. And then they take a look at the paddle wheel, and they go, there's wood rot. You know, no maintenance has been done, which... Uh, Disney is very good at building things, not always very good at maintenance because, again, that's one of the first things that get cut with budgets. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, original carousel at Disneyland that when they were going to rehab that, they, they figured, oh, well, this will take a month, two months. It took almost a year because once they got in there, they saw all of this wood rot because the thing hadn't been maintained since 1955. Now, um, uh, and then they also, on top, they stick the gaudy red neon sign, Fulton's Crab House, and uh, it's not just because they're gauche, it's because you need to theme into the, the whole atmosphere of Pleasure Island, but also you're down here in a little cubby hole, so you need to have something big to attract attention of people coming across the bridge because they're heading straight or whatever. There's no reason for them to look down here unless there's something that's uh, going on. However, one thing does survive from the Empress Lily, which I'm, I'm grateful to see. We can take a look over there, the bell, that is an authentic bell. That's from 1896, and that was on a Mississippi uh, uh, steamship. It's made out of uh, nickel and brass, and believe it or not, and I'm almost tempted for us to run over there and do that now, is if you ring it, it could be heard for 20 miles. And they had to test that because they had to see, does that interfere or inter you know, with, with, with things, you know, you don't want to do that at midnight and people are sleeping at the travel lodge there. Not a good, uh, you know... 
Uh, in fact, that was one of the problems they had with the Fort Wilderness uh, Railroad, is you couldn't blow the whistle, you know, un except during a, a certain period of time. So um, this became the uh, uh, Fulton's Crab House, which, which, it, uh, which it is today. But again, as, as I said, a lot of people probably believe that it did move because it looks like a ship. Uh, there was that legend that Stuart Pleasure took it out and, and moved it up and down. Uh, the, the steamships at Magic Kingdom work. And also, there were plans for a nighttime fireworks show out here on the Village Lagoon where uh, Pleasure supposedly had another steamship that was blown up by fireworks. He had loaded up with fireworks, the same from the fireworks, fireworks factory, factory, and it sunk. And so at night, you would hear the sound of a paddle wheel and the, the, the horn and, and uh, all of this as if it was rising from, you know, uh, the depths. And then, of course, the fireworks would shoot off again and it would re-sink. So you wouldn't see it. You would, it, it this would just be a, an, um, an audio experience except for the fireworks that you would see uh, exploding. But, um, you know, a, a wonderful location. I, I, you know, I take a look at it now and without the paddle wheel, without the smokestacks, it doesn't look like a crab house to me, and it certainly doesn't look like a uh, Mississippi uh, um, paddle wheeler, you know. But save, save for, you know, the, the walkways yes. that make you look as though you're actually, you know, crossing over. And you do, you have to yes. walk over water to get onto the, yeah, to the and, ship. And, and so there, there is, is that, you know, but I, I miss the fact that uh, originally the Empress, and I did see the Empress Lily, even though I didn't dine on it, I did see the Empress Lily. There were, there were uh, brass fittings, there was mahogany, crystal chandeliers. Um, uh, in the uh, uh, Baton Rouge Lounge, they actually had uh, furnishings from uh, 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 Louis the Fifteenth, and so um, you know that's why it's a multi-million-dollar ship for crying out loud. And, and even as we're looking here, we're seeing you know the uh, antique uh, lighting fixtures and and even the uh, uh, boards, you know, with the filigree and all of this uh, leading in. So it, it is, it is beautiful, but, but it's uh, like an old uh, dowager who, who had had better days and uh, had multiple suitors, and uh, now she's sort of uh, sitting here with her uh, uh, grandchildren saying, oh, yes, I used to be the belle of the ball. Remember way back when, yeah. when I had my working <laughs> paddle wheel? But, I mean, even on the inside now, and mm -hmm. I've, I've had yes. the chance for research purposes only yes. to eat here recently, um, and it, it's beautiful inside. I mean, you still have many of those dark woods, many of those, mm -hmm. uh, you know, brass nautical-themed mm -hmm. Uh, things in the decor. I think the front, the, the Stone Crab Lounge, mm -hmm. is wonderful. And again, you get those great sort of sweeping views and vistas of Saratoga Springs mm -hmm. and the and the lake in the distance. Yeah. No, you're 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 absolutely uh, right. You know, there's a touch here. And again, who knows? You know, this this could always uh, uh, reconvert it. It's hard to believe that Levi restaurants have had it for 15 years now. There's only five years left on that uh, on that uh, lease. Uh, anything anything could happen. But um, again, a, a wonderful story, but a story that a lot of people don't know, and uh, even people who work here at uh, Downtown Disney are not familiar with. So I'm, I'm glad we have uh, uh, this opportunity to, to share these stories, to keep them alive. And hopefully I got uh, all of the information uh, correct. Uh, Lou will verify I'm, I don't have index cards. I'm doing this all off the, the, the top of my uh, uh, head here. Um, but, you know, every now and then, sometimes you can slip up. 
It, it absolutely, listen, we're all human, and that's the, to, uh, to err is human, to forgive is divine. So, but, I mean, and that's the thing that's fascinating is that you're able to sort of recount these stories, a story that was fascinating when it was the Empress Lily and how it changed. And again, unfortunately, every guest that we see that walks by can never sort of understand or appreciate what goes into it. I, you would never have known that that bridge looks the way it is. Mm -hmm. A bridge is a bridge is a bridge, not always, because there is a story that they're able to craft around what they're able to do. And, that, and that's the thing that I think is fascinating for people and really enhances the experience above and beyond, you know, the Alaskan king crab legs inside. So we never even talked about the menus, but that's just fine. <laughs> um, but what I would uh, like to do, as long as you're forgiving people for being human, uh, I would like to ask forgiveness from your, your listeners on the last podcast which was uh, that I did with you, which was uh, 117, so immediately go back and re-listen to that. Um, we talked about the uh, uh, Disney Studios, and again, I was working without uh, uh, index cards, and uh, I did 50 million amazing facts, many of which have never been shared before, and I'm listening to that um, to that uh, podcast and I find four things that are misleading. So I'm going to take a moment right now just to uh, correct that because I hate having misinformation out there. I hate being the source sometimes of misinformation. Uh, at, at the studios I mentioned that the Crossroads of the World was on uh, Wilshire. It's actually on Sunset. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, Bain Building, which is the inspiration for uh, Mickey's of Hollywood, was on Wilshire. That's on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, I mentioned that uh, Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset never intersect. It, it does. There's a really odd, acute uh, intersection uh, east of uh, Vermont Avenue, but I will tell you for a <laughs> fact that I grew up in the L.A. area. I had friends who grew We never drove down Hollywood Boulevard far enough for that intersection. Hollywood and Sunset, as far as we were concerned, were parallel. If you needed to get one, you took a cross street to go down. And then uh, finally, I talked about Sweet Success being uh, Edith's head to toe, and it referred to Edith Head, the, the costume designer. Actually, the full nomenclature is Adrian and Edith's head to toe. And um, Adrian refers to another costume designer, uh, Adrian uh, uh, Greenberg, who uh, did the costume designs for Wizard of Oz. And uh, sometimes on the movies of the, the 40s and all, you'll see gowns by Adrian. And so now I, 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 feel, uh, I feel cleaner. And I talked with <laughs> Lou about this, and I said, I'll do this for you, but I want to correct those. And, and Lou says, I didn't get any comments on any of this. Probably nobody caught any of that. But now, now, I, I'm, I can certainly admit that, you know, I, you I've made smile again. You can smile again. And, you know, but I wish you would have just backed up your mistakes with some other facts. Because, again, <laughs> you just sort of, you know, throw out random... No, I, I mean... Well, in, in fact, we'll do that. I'll take that as a personal <laughs> challenge. We really need to go to the studios. Uh, again, I noticed a lot of people wanted us to... Well, cover those areas of the studios you didn't. We didn't even cover the areas that we covered well. You know, when I talked about PVs, I didn't mention that the menu is actually the blueprints for the rocket pack. I didn't mention that in the Echo Lake area, you can see mailboxes, and the mailboxes are the names of um, the Imagineers who worked on that section. So you've got uh, T. Kirk, right. Tim Kirk, uh, uh, doing that. So yes, there's a ton of other uh, uh, exciting things. And you know that's always the thing. I remember very early on in the show because I, I, this is, these are some of the things that I love doing. Yeah. Go, looking at things like the mailboxes. And I remember mm -hmm. when I um, had done a, a show on the queue of the Jungle Cruise way, way back when. 
before somebody listened to it, they said, you're going to do 45 minutes on the queue of the Jungle Cruise? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, we had to cut it back from about yeah. an hour and a half because there's so much good stuff there. And this is a perfect example. We're sitting out in front of uh, really a facade of a, um, of a steamship mm -hmm. and uh, that just has such incredible story behind it, such incredible detail behind it, uh, both real and imagineered. And, and there's, you're right, we are just not even scratching the surface <laughs> of, uh, of, of the breadth and the depth of stories that are out there. Well, so. as you said at the beginning of, of this uh, conversation, uh, unique. This is, this is, you know, very unique. Who else would have something like this? And then uh, Imagineering, you know, doing all of that uh, research on the Robert E. Lee and the Natchez mm -hmm. and all of that to, uh, to give you uh, a theatrical impression of, of what you remember a uh, Mississippi uh, steamboat uh, uh, doing, you know? And when Disney does it right, Nobody does it better. It really is a, a unique uh, uh, experience, and uh, I just love it. I've always loved it. I love it now, and uh, I love that other people now may take that little, once they come back down here to visit, might uh, walk down the, the walkway here, take a, another look, and go, I know that. <laughs> Well, nobody creates and tells stories the way Disney does, and, and nobody is better at helping to retell those stories and share them with other people than you. So, Jim, it's, as always, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to have you on the show. Uh, we have to do this more often because I, I really do enjoy this. I, I, I definitely agree, and uh, I'd also like to thank your listeners because I, I read some of the comments that they uh, posted, very kind and generous. And, uh, yes, it encourages me to come back and say, somebody really wants to hear this stuff. And so thank you, Lou. Absolutely. And, and there's more of Jim's incredible work in Celebrations Magazine. You've also contributed to countless books. I could say I'd link all of them up uh, on, uh, in the show notes, but if you search for, for Jim's name on Amazon, you'll find some more of his work. And I highly, highly recommend uh, reading some of, of more of what Jim's done. So, yeah, we'll definitely do this again, buddy. Okay, and now we get to go eat. And so for the IRS, <laughs> this, this is a business lunch. We need to do a really detailed look at the Earl of Sandwich, I think. <laughs> there you go. It's time to announce the winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest, and actually Trivia Contest might not be the appropriate name because it really wasn't about trivia that you may have known, but trivia that you may have heard. Because last week I played five random, very short sound clips from Walt Disney World attractions, asked you to identify them in order, and if so, you'd be put into a pool where I took all the correct entries, randomly chose one who gets an all-new WDW Radio Navy Blue t-shirt. And hopefully you guys really enjoy this. Again, a little bit different than what I normally do. There was a flurry of last-minute entries coming in very late Saturday night. Uh, but what I'm going to do first, before I announce the winner, is I'm going to play the five sound clips that I played exactly as I did last week. So here were your five contest clues. Okay, LA, crank it up. I'm Max. Yeah, Debbie was sick. Please come forward. Be sure to take along all your belongings, including your imagination. We can hear everything you hear. Keep going. I have to say once again, you guys did a phenomenal job getting all these correct. Most of the entries I received did seem to have 
all five correct, although there were a couple of them here. Numbers three and four that seem to give you guys a little bit of problems. So I'm going to, as I go through, I'll tell you maybe play a little bit longer a clip to let you identify what those were. But here are your five correct answers in order. And first was Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith, and that was the voice of the DJ from LA's classic rock station. Number two, obviously one of my favorites, Muppet Vision 3D. And number three, this is the one that seemed to give you guys the most trouble. This was actually from the loading of the Timekeeper in Tomorrowland. That was actually Robin Williams. Let me play a little bit longer of a clip from the Timekeeper right around that same time so you can get a feel for exactly when in the show that clip came from. Welcome. Please come forward. Thank you. Step right up. Come forward, please. Fill these rooms. No! In! Thank you. And if you'll please step forward, fill the rows in the front row. Down front. Thank you. Okay, that was a little bit of a tough one. I admit it. Although, if you paid attention to the beginning of the show, I played another clip right from that same section of Timekeeper. Kind of gave you a hint. And also, some of you asked about it on Facebook. I posted a clue letting you know that one of the clips did come from the from the beginning radio intro tunes. Now the next one, also an extinct attraction from Tomorrowland, this one was Mission to Mars. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? When we leave this area in a moment, be sure to take along all your belongings, including your imagination. Our mission to Mars takes place sometime in the future when a sightseeing trip to the red planet is an everyday adventure. Now on the large monitor, you can see your spacecraft waiting on the launch pad. And the last clue was actually from, well, what may become a soon-to-be extinct attraction, and that's Sounds Dangerous, starring Drew Carey. Here's an extended clip of that clue so you can see exactly where it came from. Foster, the camera's not supposed to get wet. Pictures shorting out. Do something! Is that better? Not really. No, we've lost the picture completely. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, We're still getting audio. All right, Foster. We can hear everything you hear. Keep going. I'm silently entering Moreno's office now. Wait, it's dark in here. So as I said, I took all of the correct entries, randomly drew one out, and this week's winner is Bill Frazier from Parrish, Florida, who actually is getting a shirt for his daughter. So um, congratulations to Bill and your daughter. Um, I will be sending your shirt out right away. Now let me know, guys, do you like this kind of format of a trivia contest? Do you prefer having the questions? Do you maybe like this, but I should have made three and four a little bit easier? Let me know. Email me, post on Facebook, post in the forums. I'm going to be doing another contest where I'll be giving away a shirt again probably next week. So definitely stay tuned and thanks for playing. That's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Big thanks go to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel and my friend Jim Corcus. I always enjoy these segments. Hope you do as well. There are many more to come. To read more of Jim's work, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to just some of the books that he's contributed to, including the Walt People series. 
This week, look for more new videos coming up on the site, in iTunes, and on YouTube. Again, including some more overlooked experiences and so much more. If you subscribe to the show in iTunes, you should already be downloading those. You can also find them on the homepage as well. I promised you some updates on upcoming meets of the month. And while I don't have the exact location and times as yet, as of now, it looks like these will be the next few meets. Of course, subject to change. In July, it looks like the July meet of the month is going to be Saturday, July 11th. The August meet is going to be Saturday, August 29th. The September meet is going to be Saturday, September 26th. That is over over the Everest Adventurers weekend. And in October, it's going to be Saturday the 24th or Sunday the 25th. Not sure. That is the Tower of Terror 13K weekend. Again, I will finalize the locations and the times of all those meets. I'll post them in the forums, on Twitter, and of course, over on Facebook. Speaking of meets... I actually have received a lot of responses about the possible get-together out in San Francisco at the end of the month. So if you've emailed me, I will definitely email you back directly. But if you're going to be out in San Francisco on Sunday, June 28th, I'm going to have a very casual get-together at either Giardelli Square or somewhere maybe over on Pier 39. I'm going to finalize that location and time as well. So if you're out there and if you're interested in getting together, please email me at lou at wdwradio.com. And if you have suggestions as to places that you think we should or should not meet, I welcome those as well. Another meet I want to bring your attention to, I mentioned before that I'm going to be attending later on this year, is the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet on Saturday, August 15th. That's going to be in Linwood, Washington, just 20 miles north of Seattle. Disney fans from all over the Pacific Northwest and me in Florida are going to be gathering to meet other Disney fans, podcasters, authors. Margaret Carey is going to be there. She was the original model for Tinkerbell. She is worth going to see just on her own. But there's also going to be a show and sale, pin trading, displays, hidden Mickey hunts, speeches, all kinds of other surprises. For more information and to buy tickets online, you can go to pnwmousemeet.com. All right, and just to wrap things up, don't forget that if you have a question that you want answered, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. I'm sorry I'm still way behind, but I promise to get to every single email that you send in. But if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. Leave a question, leave a comment, leave a call from the parks. You know I love hearing from you. If you aren't following me on Twitter, head on over to twitter.com. Sign up for a free account. There you can get my instant updates, play along with me during the week as I play games, Twitter from the parks, let you know where I am, what I'm doing. Twitter is a great way to stay connected. If you're over on Facebook, come by, friend me up on Facebook. You can now find me at facebook.com slash Also come by and join the new WDW Radio Show fan page. If you're a member of the WDW Radio Show group, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you to come on over Join the fan page as well. That's where I'm going to be posting all the updates. There you can post photos, links. We can have a discussion going on there as well. Facebook is also free. Links to all these, not only in the show notes, but right on the homepage of WDWRadio.com. Quick reminder, I have reduced the price of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2. You can get signed copies available at the store at WDWRadio.com, as well as the audio guide to Main Street, USA, and Adventureland. Each of those, just $5 for the download version. I am currently working on Fantasyland now. Should have a tentative release date for Fantasyland coming soon. Definitely stay tuned. I'll also have an update as to the next WDW Radio Live. 
That should be coming soon as well, a live video broadcast and chat. If you're subscribed to Celebrations Magazine or if you've ordered it, Issue 5 is on the way. Don't forget, we are also still looking for contributors, whether it's an article, a letter to the editor, photos, suggestions, anything at all. We're also looking for your help. So please feel free to go over to celebrationspress.com or email me directly at lou at wdwradio.com. As always, everybody, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Review us on iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook. Join the WDW Radio Show fan page and basically tell anybody who will listen that you enjoy listening to the show. And of course, everybody, thank you again for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I really do appreciate it. So until next time, remember, keep moving forward and have a great week, everybody. See ya. Yeah, hey, Lou, it's Bill from Jersey. How you doing? I wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed that show last week on the, uh, particularly the discussion of the uh, swan boats uh, at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, I am old enough to remember riding those uh, quite a bit during the day. Uh, it wasn't too much of a thrill for me because, uh, as I think Ryan pointed out, the, uh, they were based on the boats in, in, in Boston, and I had grown up in Boston, so I had been on those types of boats many, many times. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the perspective that you got from the Magic Kingdom. I, it was kind of cool to actually look up at the at the castle from directly underneath. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Thanks very much. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Brian from Philadelphia. Uh, Dr. on the forum. And uh, we just came back uh, this past weekend uh, from uh, a nice uh, week-long trip to Walt Disney World. And, boy, what can I say? Uh, it's always a great time. Kids had such a great time. Um, and uh, we planned it back in February. Uh, that's when I started listening to your show. And it's as if you had our trip in mind. I, I always considered myself pretty Disney savvy, but uh, boy, did I learn a lot listening to your show over the last uh, uh, month or two. Uh, everything from uh, you know how how to get the most out of PhotoPass to pin trading to what to do in the rain because we did have a couple of rainy uh, spots there. Um, the best way to get autographs. Um, it really uh, added all that much more to our trip. Uh, all your advice and uh, the shows and. Uh, listening to all the old shows and a lot of the DSIs. Um, I think my family laughed every time I started to say, well, Lou Mangiello says this or Lou Mangiello says that about uh, each of the attractions. Uh, we had both of your trivia books on hand, so that was a lot of fun, uh, not to mention uh, Tim Foster's uh, uh, Guide to the Magic for Kids. My daughter loves uh, filling that out and uh, uh, getting the autographs uh, in there. You know, what a great keepsake. Um, so I uh, can't thank you enough for... Uh, uh, helping us uh, plan that. Uh, it was a great time. We can't wait to go back. Um, got all kinds of great collectibles at the Star Wars weekends. Uh, some of your, your shows from last year really helped us plan this year's uh, Star Wars weekend. And uh, I guess one question is, uh, one of the, the nice uh, limited edition things that we picked up this year was uh, some of those Vinylmation figures, but uh, we actually don't know much about them. Uh, it would be neat if you did a show, I don't know if you have, uh, that you know, discusses uh, how they came about and um, you know, maybe some of the artists behind them, but uh, they really are a neat little collectible, and we picked some of those up while we were down there. Uh, anyway, I'm rambling on, but uh, thanks again, and uh, you, you have a new fan. I'll uh, be listening for a long time to come, and uh, be checking out the website. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou, it's Kelly Zanowskis here from Facebook, calling from Northeast Connecticut. I just finished listening to Podcast 121 and wanted to make a comment on the interview with um, the first and only CMO, Justin Magioni. 
I completely agree with you that Disney had the right guy. I never met Justin face-to-face, but I've had the pleasure with chatting with him, so to speak, <laughs> through Facebook and uh, some emails. There's just such a comfort level when communicating with him through posts and messages, like he was an old friend or something. He didn't know me from squat, but he didn't hesitate to share with me and answer my silly questions about a CMO experience. Just such a friendly guy. There's no doubt in my mind that even though his official work with Disney came to an end, he'll continue to spread magic. Hey, listen, love the podcast and the video diaries, and I definitely look forward to more Where in the World Am I Photo Games on Facebook. Take care, Lou. Thanks. Hey, Lou. It's Ryan from Atlanta. Um, we just got doing, uh, we're in Epcot. We just got done with the Epcot character spot, and it was really great. We got to see all the main characters, and it gets to interact with all of them. Now we're over in the ice cream shop next to it, and I'm having a Coke float. Uh, here's my dad. Hey, Lou. Just wanted to let everybody know what a great meal they can find at the Wilderness Lodge. The people are great, very humorous, relaxed atmosphere, and the food is fantastic for a pretty good price. Hi, Lou. This is Sharon from the suburbs of Cleveland. Um, just listened to the show 122 and really thought it was great to hear about the swan boats at the Magic Kingdom. And I think it would be a wonderful idea to have them back again. It was, our world is so fast-paced that it's nice to be able to have something that is slower-paced and to be able to sit back and relax. And for our children, it would be great to take something for the toddlers and for them to be able to uh, chill out for a while with all the excitement of the day. And um, really enjoyed the Mama Melrose um, report that you guys did, and it was nice to even see the pictures of the dessert um, on the website, and we're anticipating our trip to September, and we're staying for our first time at a deluxe resort, and we're going to the Polynesian, and it would be great to hear a review of the Kona Cafe, and also I've heard that they have activities like luau dancing classes and things like that for the kids, so that would be neat to hear a live report of how those activities are at the resort. Thank you so much again for all the work you do, and it's a joy to top off the day. Good night. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou, it's Josh. Um, I have a new thing that I'm going to do. Um, I was, uh, as soon as I woke up this morning, I came up with the idea of WDW Visitor Tips. It's where I will give everyone that is going to Walt Disney World in the next week or so, or whenever you're going to Disney World, uh, tips that I thought might be useful for people. Um, I have assembled these tips. People, these are not just, uh, tips that I came up with out of the blue. I actually did research on these, because I want everyone to have fun at Disney World. So, um, uh, here is some tips. For anyone who has uh, kids, I know that my parents did this, and I still enjoy it, and I'm 12. Um, uh, If you stay at a Disney Resort hotel, you can go up to the front desk and request a wake-up call, and they will call you, um, and it will be a voice of Mickey Mouse or Goofy or someone, uh, a Disney character, and it will give your kids a wake-up call. Um, I actually have one that I can play right now, so here it is. 
So that is just one of the wake-up calls. Um, I know that they change them around every once in a while. And everyone, I leave you with this. Hey, Lou, this is Jay Darling, one of your uh, fellow authors for the Celebrations Magazine. I'm actually on my way up to Disneyland today, Sunday, June 7th, trying to take advantage of the last day of the Food and Wine Festival. Um, last, was here, last time I was up here, I had uh, a great um, ahi tuna salad with wasabi aioli that was just phenomenal, and I know our, our love of mutual love of food uh, You've probably got your mouth watering at that one. Um, but they also have beer and wine tastings and things like that I haven't been able to take advantage of. But I'm going to try that today, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll call back later on with a review. Thanks, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou. We took your advice from one of your shows, and we're riding the Jungle Cruise at night. We believe you. It will be so awesome. We wish you could see you on some of your meets of the month. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Paul from Texas. Uh, just calling you. I'm actually at one of your spots that uh, you guys recommended a few shows ago. Just leaving Epcot at the International Pavilion, taking the lower walkway to the left there, right by uh, the waterway where the, the friendship boats travel between the beach club and the boardwalk uh, to the International Gateway. And just want to say uh, we're here for our week trip, celebrating my birthday tomorrow. Uh, so far, everything has been great. And uh, was catching up on some, some older shows and heard the one uh, you did where you're talking about a lot of the hidden gems, uh, a lot of the detail and the stuff that the uh, people don't normally look at or doesn't jump out and catch their eye in Hollywood Studios. And we actually were staying at the boardwalk, and I saw one of those on the, uh, the Keister Coaster, the water slide there at the main pool. They actually have a sign inside the water slide that you can see from outside, but you wouldn't necessarily look at. But it's very visible when you take the water slide for a place called the Laughing Palace, where there's a, a million laughs a minute. There's probably some relationship to that number of, you know, gallons per water or some some number that that makes has uh, some significance. But uh, just wanted to pass that on. We're having a great time. Hoping to see you uh, this Saturday at your June meet of the month. And until then, we'll see you. Hey, Lou, it's Paul from Texas calling in again. Uh, today is Wednesday, June the 3rd. It is my birthday today, so I'm here enjoying it at the Magic Kingdom. I did get my uh, birthday gift today. Got the a $75 gift card. I did find out uh, different than what I had read online before that it, it, it is valid not only in the Magic Kingdom or in the parks but also at all over the resort and it also does not expire today. It is, it is uh, it has no expiration which I did not know. So thanks. But just calling you from outside Pecos Bills. It's a great day. The parks are actually not as crowded as I thought they would be uh, for the first week of June. So hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon. 